A long time ago, in a galaxy actually rather close, then Magnet had to wake up early so that we could discuss the Andor season finale. Is it the greatest show of the year? And or did we love it? And or did we hate it? Find out today. Uh, we are doing our Fake Nerds Watch discussion on the last two episodes of Andor season one, Daughter of Ferrix and Rick's Road. And I am, of course, Sparks Witty, and I'm joined by Ryan Eliopoulos. They say you want a revolution. Well, you know, sometimes you got to throw a brick in some dude's face. <laughs> and we're also joined by Brandon T. McClure. Hello. Hi, I'm here as well. And Ben Magnet, who has awoken, much like the Force itself. Yeah, I, I, I've woken up from my nap. Nap. My, my nap. Nap. <laughs> nap. Air quotes. Now, ben, I, I saw you like one of my tweets at four in the morning, and I'm like, bro, you got to go to bed. I know you can't wake up early. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's like, I'm a masochist. I can do it. I, I can get, you can't do it. I can get eight hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, 30 minutes of sleep, and I will have the same energy. I feel like shit, but like, that's that's me, baby. I, pr I, pr do, I produce That's my energy. secret cap. I always feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's my secret cap. I always die. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about Andor. We and are. Said, is it a show we hated? It's all spoilers. It's not. I'll tell you. I, I was thinking about this when I was watching these last two episodes. I, I'm shocked at what became probably the two best shows of the year. Because uh, when Peacemaker was coming out, like, I like James Gunn a lot. I was just not sure if, like, Peacemaker would be it. And, like, yeah. holy shit. And then Andor was like, what is this show going to be? Holy shit. I, I've been holding on to Peacemaker all year because I'm like, I don't want to forget that, like, a lot of great stuff has come out since then, and yeah. Peacemaker was incredible, and I was floored by it. And I'm like, been holding on to that, and I'm like, Peacemaker might be the best show of the year. It's, There's a lot of good stuff, man. but Peacemaker, for what it was, yeah. might be the best show of the year. And then man. Andor comes out, and I'm like, oh no, I don't know. <laughs> what, a, what a beautiful, a beautiful like nerd bookend. Yeah, like two shows that we didn't expect to be as good as they were, and they both ended up being better than everything else that came out in the air. And they're both nerd shows. Mm -hmm. uh, just goes to show, man, you put effort in the shit, like it could turn out pretty good. Look at that. I, well, you're right. You're absolutely right. Because what, what this, what Peacemaker and Andor both show is that as long as the passion is there, something truly incredible can come out of it. doesn't matter what character it is. Like this is Cassie and Andor, a character who dies in Rogue One. The people were joking about how they didn't remember his name. Mm -hmm. Peacemaker was the, was kind of the, kind of a villainous force in the Suicide yeah. Squad who, who they added a a post credit scene to be like actually he didn't die big getting shot in the neck don't worry about it, and and as long as the passion is there for those characters, something truly remarkable can come from it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, um man, I was after that finale, I was like so high on Star Wars. I was like man, yeah. man the future is going to be so bright. I've been like, <laughs> and I have to be the thing of like. I know not everything can be Andor, and I don't want everything to be Andor. Uh, I just, I just want everything to have the quality of Andor. Yes, yeah. that's all I want. I just want, I just want like not, I not everything needs to be mature, dramatic. You know, like uh, dealing with fascism. Even though that's what Star Wars is like, I, I want more Mandalorian stuff. But after Andor, I'm like, why are we doing this for everything that you we make? And if, and if we, we just want, you want more attention to detail. I just want more attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. like, and I can't believe the best Star Wars thing in years has nothing to do with what people associate with Star Wars. 
<laughs> like when when like Jedi's are the thing nowadays, right? Like people that's what they go to. Like they're not they're not so people are invested in rebels and stuff, but like people love Jedi and shit. And to have a show that has none of that, literally none of that, uh, is is exceptional. And the fact that Disney, I still can't believe this isn't an HBO or like an AMC show or something. Like, like this is like this is like a step forward. And again, if we don't ever get anything like Andor ever again, that's fine. Like the fact that they were willing to try this means like this this could happen again. Yes. Uh, and it's just that's so exciting to feel in a time where we've all been kind of hit or miss with some of the things that Disney's put out. Now I have to keep reminding myself that I'm watching a Star Wars show while I'm watching Andor. Even especially last night, like um, there I want to say it was episode eleven when the tie it was eleven or twelve. I want to say eleven when the tie fighters came out. I'm yep. like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm watching a Star Wars show because there's no much in the Jedi, and I feel that almost every single Star Wars property that we have seen, there's some mention of Jedi. There's some mention of of like lightsabers. There's always something. I don't think. It. Real quickly, Ben, I don't think there has been a show, a live action show that did not feature a Jedi. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Mandalorian season one, I, you can make a case for that, maybe, but uh, we're not going to make a case for it here. But, but, yo, man, it's got a little Yoda in it that's tied to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think Star Wars. It's literally tied to Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. You don't deal, like, you don't necessarily deal. I mean, you deal with, like, a very. Um, what's the right term? I don't want to say laissez-faire politics, but you you kind of deal with some of the politics. This one is like hardcore more, into the more. politics, into the workings of the empire, into the fascism that the empire does, and it's just <clears> like, <throat> goddamn! I'm watching like the best Star Wars show ever. It's about a no-name character from that one movie. More more to the point, I think, than just saying the live-action shows. There's never been a live-action Star Wars anything that hasn't featured a lightsaber hasn't like and we're saying that and like there's still a season two of andor there's time um yeah. but uh, i got so many quotes <laughs> from tony gilmore interviews that i want to talk about but this yeah. was but this was hours in star wars without without that and that's mm-hmm. that doesn't usually happen mm-hmm. um i think someone someone put up someone put up a, a thing that i i kind of understand the sentiment of like you know, it's really a shame that like the next thing we're going to get is like the action figure hour, the John Favreau's action figure hour. And it's like, I understand that. I think the thing is Mandalorian season one was very good. And then what I wanted, what I want from the Mandalorian is just a really good show. I think, I think the thing, the, the thing that really hurt was having the two, the, the two hit of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan, not frankly, not being Obi-Wan was disappointing in its own right, also, but Boba Fett wasn't very good. Also, huh? I think, like Mandalorian season three is doing the story I'm excited about, which is about the Mandalore stuff with Bo Katan. Yeah. Like that's that's the stuff I want to see the show do stuff about. What has me not unexcited, but a little disheartened going into season three is that they totally nipped out the emotional stakes of the finale of season two of Mandalorian by doing stuff with them in Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And I really wish they hadn't done that. I wish they hadn't put them together Back together in Book of Boba Fett. I think Mando should have shown up in Book of Boba Fett, but Grogu, Grogu less. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I just, think that would have been fine. But go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say that, like, I think there is a place for Mandalorian. There, there is, a, there is a place for Mandalorian. And what Ryan, what Ryan said was absolutely true. The, the desire to see more things like Andor isn't the desire to see more hard hitting political dramas in Star Wars. It's to see that kind of care and passion put into this thing to make a good product because i do think and uh, i do think mandalorian season two book of boba fett and obi-wan suffered from the well it's star wars you're gonna watch it anyway yeah whereas yeah. this was whereas this was we're making a show we're making a good show 
And let's let's not, you know, uh, be remiss in forgetting that season two had some all time moments about this kind of stuff in Mandalorian, which sure. is like Bill Burr's former Imperial confronting the man who essentially was responsible for a ton of deaths yeah. on the mm -hmm. Imperial side. Mm -hmm. um, and them talking about like the, the deaths of the Death Star and how some people really view that as terrorism. Even and like getting that kind of shade in there is still kind of into the to the realm of what Andor would give us. Yeah, Mandalorian, the, the first episode with, with um, what's his name? He's the director. Gosh, I, uh, uh, Herner Wurzog. Yeah. Like that dude's all about like, you think the world's better now that <clears> the Empire's gone? Look how shitty the world is. The Empire was the best thing that ever happened. And I'm like, that's some like hardcore thinking, right? And like, it is, it is in Mandalorian. And again, I don't want every show to be Andor. I just want, I just want them to respect the audience. Yeah. Um, that said, Andor is the show I've always wanted to see from Star Wars. So I, I that's perfect for what I was going to say, because I love Rebels. I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is the show I kind of wanted Rebels to be and knew it wouldn't be because it was animated and more aimed for family entertainment i'm not going to say a children but family entertainment like, all ages in a very specific way mm -hmm. um and i love that show but so. whenever we would get like a moment with mon mothma or organa or leia like i would be like okay but i kind of want to see the show there on though <laughs> like i wanted the how the rebellion formed and rebels is like a side pocket of how the rebellion formed Mm -hmm. uh it's it's helping and it's in line but it's not the whole picture it's not the main part of the picture this is the main part of the picture that i was waiting for because yeah. this is what i've always wanted pretty much since they announced rogue one i've wanted a story that was like hey this is how the rebels started fighting the empire i mm -hmm. i have a quote here that i want to read one of many that i'll probably read um this is him talking about how the show uh it's very much just about people and how the next season will, will lead more into, it will still be Andor, but it will lead more into the Star Wars that we know. Uh, he's like, um, mm. let's see. Uh, and we come back a year later after the season. It'll be very different. The next four years of story are not about becoming a revolutionary. They're about becoming a leader and how difficult it is to put the alliance together and what happens to people who are the original gangsters versus the establishment. And that's just shit I am, I'm so excited about because like, again, I don't need any of the Jedi homies to show up but the next season is like there's so much stuff that happens with rebels simultaneously with what's happening at Andor right now. Yes, and it's really funny seeing like there's the scene where like Andor's in jail. The same time there's like a food fight happening with Zeb and Ezra on, on the ghost, and I'm like, man, timelines are really funny. Uh, I'm just like, Andor's the type of show where like we know we live in this world, but we're not beholden to it. But when shit does happen, like this, like the the the, uh, the post credit scene, that is very mm -hmm. much a Star Wars thing. Yeah, but that's an earned that's earned. And I feel that the next season is going to be a lot of that. Like, hey, we didn't have lightsabers because we didn't. It wasn't part of the story. We didn't need it. I was so now this we're, close now we're, to the rebellion is here. Like, we're it's leading into Rogue One directly. Yeah, I was this close to missing that post credit scene. Uh, everyone was. Everyone I was, was this close because the that finale had me in just like, what? Well, it had it had these like it, it wasn't it, it wasn't a, a super shock. It, okay. <laughs> It wasn't a Game of Thrones style ending that had me going, oh my God, almost screaming at the TV. But it was that type of ending where it just had me sit there and just go, it it shook me, but it didn't like super shake me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's sure. it's 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 understated because yeah, it ends like, with a smile and just a it, look. Oh, but God, you know, that, again, like, man, yeah. uh, Cassian Andor, uh, Diego Luna, that dude acts so hard with just his eyes. Mm -hmm. Like he's he's. He's our main character, but like he—he's not the character with the most dialogue in the show. 
-hmm. he's often reacting to people mm -hmm. uh and and the way he's just his eyes like you just know everything he's feeling with just a look uh it's so impressive and like that yeah. is it's very much then you bring up game of thrones endings this is very much the same ending of house of dragon that is a look that she gives Radiara's mm -hmm. final moment of the show is her giving a look of war yes, and that's very right. much what this show is doing too you're yes. right and but and well, my point was is that as the credits were rolling, I was just sitting there. I was just like looking through Twitter, just like trying to process it. And then I hear the droid sound. I look up and I see the actual post credit scene, and I go, "Oh shit!" It was the, it was that oh shit moment of that's what they were making in the prison. So I don't want to spend too much time on the post credit scene because it's it's very quick. Um, yeah. But I just want to I just want to say quickly that it it acts as twofold. One, obviously we knew that Cassian was working on pieces of the Death Star and we got to see that in action. And that was a really nice bookend to see uh, that, you know, the Cassian was helping build the thing that would eventually kill him. Um, the other thing is it also creates a, an, it also creates an interesting lead into rogue one because one of the first shots of the Death Star of the rogue one, of rogue one is them installing the dish that they're building in the, in the scene. And that was, I, I thought that's really cool. Yes, I, I agree. And I think it's, <clears throat> to Ryan's point of what you just said as well, that it's earned. And mm -hmm. like, it, it would, I would think it was a dumb post credit scene if we weren't specifically seeing the parts that they were building being installed. Yeah. If it were just yeah. the Death Stars coming together, I'd be like, I know. But you see those like late. But you see things. specifically those things <laughs> and I'm like, cool, this means something to our character, to the story that we yeah. are being given. But it's also great because if you missed it, it's kind of not that important. Right. To be honest, like, yes, it's a nice thematic mm -hmm. thing to know that that's what he was doing. But like you said, Brandon, you kind of figure already mm -hmm. if you didn't see it, it's not a huge deal. And it's not a huge deal if you go into season two with missing it, which I think is great. I think it's exactly the right kind of post credits for this, where it's like it's it's not really teasing you up for something you weren't already prepared for. It's just giving you a little thematic like and that's how he contributed to the construction of the Death Star. But what I think is so wonderful is because those things are layered onto each other, right? Because now mm -hmm. we know for sure, visually, Andor helped build the thing that kills him. Also, he dies on the mission that helps kill the Death Star. So, like, those two things Poetry work and in complete yeah. tandem with each other. Um, it's one of those things where it benefits very much from the fact, like, that we already know Rogue One and we already know where Andor's story ends. But it shows exactly how this is so... This is something that's so wonderful about Andor is that we know Cassian dies. We know when he dies and where. I still think there's wonderful tension in the show. Oh, yeah. That there's so much great storytelling in the show. There's so much to learn and uncover. It is it is absolutely the antithesis of people who say, like, you can't tell a good story with a character who you know how they die. It's saying, yes, you can. Absolutely. Mm. That is what is happening here. Not only that, you can foreshadow how these events led to that momentous occasion of their passing. Andor's it's, a great show. I, I just, uh, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. No, I was gonna say in response to Spark saying that people's people, it's like people say, "Oh, you can't tell a good story about a character and you know what's gonna happen to." Andor goes, "Hold my beer and watch." Well, it's well, kind I mean, of it's kind of like Titanic thing, right? Like you know, we all know that the Titanic sinks. Uh, it, it, at the end of at the end of the Titanic, if it doesn't sink, then it's a, then it's a science fiction movie. But if you're telling a story set on the Titanic, it's going to end with it sinking. And it's kind I mean, of like, how how do you tell the story to make that interesting? And Andor is, is very much in the same vein. I mean, to a much lesser extent, like, that's what the prequels are. We know who Darth Vader is. Yes. We know where he ends up. Yes. I mean, it's obviously a, le a much less scale because there's so much we don't know. Um, but, like, it's very much like... <clears throat> it, I've never, like, felt negative about prequels, but Andor really is the one, like, that's like... 
man, anything, like really just any, anything could be good as long as it's good. Right. As long as there's quality behind it, like anything can be, can be worthy. And speaking to the same, same idea, like on that other side of the coin, cause I do want to highlight it. Cause it is an important part of the season that I love. We know where Mon Mothma ends up. We know what in she's dirty doing. Rags. We know what she's doing. We know where she goes. We don't know how the fallout with her family happens. We don't know how she ends up parting from Coruscant. That is super interesting. Yeah, that whole family dynamic is so rife. We see what. So was it? So I was thinking about this in the Mon Mothma scene in the limo uh, when when the guys listening in on on they're talking about uh, the gambling, <clears throat> the husband's gambling. Yes, I was thinking about this in Rebels. We know when Mon Mothma leaves the Senate because they make a big show of it, and Mon Mothma's like, oh, "I can no longer do da 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 da." She leaves the Senate before it's disbanded. Tony Gilroy was talking about this a little while ago, saying that like the when when we were bringing up the show, the story group or whoever you know the person who runs the story is like, "What do I need to know about Mon Mothma for the show? All you need to know is that where she's from, Chandrilla." And that she leaves the that she leaves the Senate this time. Outside of that, you can do whatever you want, and he does. Oh, god, sorry, if you're not done, sorry, my bad. Oh, and, and he and he does, and he and he goes and he goes through it all, and he and he creates this interesting story where we're seeing another side of Mon Mothma because what what's kind of fun about Mon Mothma is that we we had so little information about her. She was just kind of the stoic rebel leader in all three appearances that we saw her in rebels, rogue one and return of the Jedi and seeing how she becomes that character is so fascinating because they've added this whole layer of, she had a family. Her daughter is hardcore into old Chandrillan beliefs and ready to like be with the empire. And maybe her husband is, is abusive, this mentally abusive, not like physically abusive, but like this mentally abusive gambling addict um, who's ruining, who's like actively ruining her life. Is um, well, right, you, yes, I know. It's like kind of like kind of like you know these layers upon layers and upon layers of seeing how Mon Mothma first starts with this character who wants to do this the right way, wants to do this by the Senate, and starting to realize she can't. And we're going to see that turn where she's eventually going to be like. The Senate is useless. We cannot do anything in the Senate. Well, has already has already started, right? It's just yeah. kind of a uh, now. It's just kind of a waiting game. Like she knows in her in her deep recesses of her mind, she knows this ends with her having to leave the Senate. Yes. Like everything she once she started making the plans with Luthen, the writing was on the wall that eventually she was going to have to leave. Yeah, it's, especially like that's why you know going back to earlier in the season, that's why the moment when when she finds out about and and and. Uh, hold on. Oh, Aldani. 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 Thank you. Uh, when she finds out about Aldani and she comes and she confronts him because it's, it's on real. now. It's, it's on now. It's real now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got a great quote. Um, why did you decide to make Mon Mothra rich? Because we know that she was a senator, but we didn't know that she comes from like mega wealth, right? Uh, Chandrilla, her home planet is super upscale. Uh, uh, I got, I got, uh, uh, I got legacy material that we built on. The planet actually appears in Rebels and in novels, which I I don't remember uh, from Rebels. Um, but but Genevieve is so genteel, and it just naturally seemed to flow like that. You know that she's living the secret, and seeing someone lose all that for the thing that she loves is is really important. Like losing all that money, because like money, she has money, but it's but it's not super important to her, right? Like she's throwing it away mm -hmm. for the rebellion. Like it's not it's not what her her life is based on. Right. But it is when you think of Mon Mothma in like in in like the original trilogy, she's just wearing rags. She's just like a raggedy old like 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 like. Uh, uh, like like Southern leader, it feels like, yes. and you you wouldn't realize that she comes from like one of the wealthiest planets in the system. Like you wouldn't realize that she was like a multi millionaire at one point in her life. Yeah, uh, and that is so fun to see 
You have mm. people who are who are on the ground level who are poor, and you have people upstairs who are super rich, and they're both trying to fight. They're trying to fight the empire however they can. Uh, when she's talking to her cousin Val, right, mm-hmm. Val, um, in the in in uh, daughter of Barracks, uh, episode eleven, um, and we we hear we're hearing the chant, the daughter chanting in the background. This kind of like this kind of. Um, code of honor or whatever it or whatever it is and you see like the horror and the the fear in her face and mon mothma's face and once what's so great about jennifer o'reilly is what she's doing in her face in this episode says so much because she (coughs) she puts on a mask all the time and we and 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 she can't in this scene and it's really even when her daughter comes out and vel puts vel puts on her mask and you look at you look at Mon, she's not. She's still looking at her daughter kind of with this horror of like this the acts that she's going to have to do. She you know, what did she say to Vel? She says, um, I, I think I'm in real trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, and she like she can't keep it together in that scene. And and that was such a powerful moment to see uh, from that character. Uh Genevieve O'Reilly is incredible in this ep- in, 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 in the in the show, but in this episode specifically. That scene, it's oh, no, you're good. Sorry, just real quick, because I don't want to get too far from what Ryan was saying, just about um, her being wealthy and all that. Like, what what I think is, you know, so valuable about that angle for Mom Mothma is that the reality is lower class can can stand up and, and fight for what's right and everything as much as they want to. But the only way real lasting change comes is if either they're able to get into positions of power or if they change the hearts and minds of people who already are mm-hmm. and who yeah. are at the top. And Ma Mothma is a representation of that person who has maybe not changed necessarily because we don't know what her morals were beforehand. They were probably pretty good, but um, who already is endeared and on the, uh, her heart and mind is with the people. Um, and it, you need those people in those positions for something to actually seismically change. It would not, it would not be able to, launch into what it is it wouldn't have happened this quickly right yeah. post revenge of the sith without someone in her position it would have taken much longer for them to build the uh force that they needed so i'm gonna bring up some deleted scenes from revenge of the sith that that andor actually makes me actively dislike that they're deleted um there's some and obviously deleted scenes not canon i'm not saying that they are that they are i'm just i wish that they were included in revenge of the sith in hindsight um there are many scenes that were taken out of genevieve o'reilly as mon mothma and other senators talking about um how the how the chancellor at the time how chancellor palpatine was uh, accumulating a ton of power uh trying to figure you know and they're 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 sitting like okay we got to do something about this guy because if we do we're, we're losing the republic and then after and then post the this is the empire I've, i've now made this an empire they're like Okay, we need to. We'll be. We'll remain in the Senate. They have like they make a pact. Like we agree, we'll remain in the Senate, but we will, we will help. We will try to. We will try to fight this as much as we can. And I'm so. I'm so glad. First of all, I'm so glad that Genevieve O'Reilly was able to reprise her role as Mon Mothma from those deleted scenes. Yeah. But I'm really sad that George Lucas didn't have the foresight to keep those scenes in there because they would inform Andor in such an interesting way. It's kind of a bummer that they that they never made it into that well, movie. That is true, Brandon. But like those deleted scenes being there, just like that, just confirms that that is exactly what she did. She did fight. She this is what she's doing. Like like we I know. don't need to see we don't need to see it to know that like she's fighting the rebellion. Uh, it would have been nice to have that like you know A to B, 
but this show proves that like that's what she's been doing. Like she is fighting the fight. Ben, you wanted yeah. to say something a little bit ago. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's like, it's all good. Um, I was going to say the scene with with um with Val and Mom Mothma when she's seeing the daughter, and the sheer look of horror on Val's face. I'm like, ooh, religious persecution. All right. <laughs> Yeah, because you can uh, tell that because I mean, even in the scene prior, in like a few episodes, in like an episode or two prior, when, <clears throat> when Vel is having dinner with Mon and her family, and I want to say her husband mentions her fight, uh, mentions Vel fighting a husband, even though she is all up with sit with um Cinta or and Mon gives him a look like you have no idea, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and like the look on the daughter's face when she's there, do when they're doing like the religious chant, and Mon's just sitting there, like, I hate this, and I'm like, oh. Oh man, this is oh, this is juicy. This is juicy shit. And and what I I I there are people reading into this, and I I I like the read because it makes it more sad. Um, that that what the uh, what's the uh, Lita? I think that's her name. The kid Lita. Mm-hmm. Lita, I believe. Lita. Yeah. Uh, Lita. She might be doing all this to try to connect with her parents because that's oh. what she thinks she needs to do. Mm. She needs to be more Shandrillin to have a real connection. And, and that's why her, I, I didn't catch this, but uh, uh, the Midnight Boys, the greatest podcast about this shit that's not ours. Um, <laughs> they mentioned when when the doors open and Davos and her son and stuff, who does who does Leah look at? She doesn't look at her dad. She looks at her mom. Mm. And I'm like, God damn it, man. That's you know, so that's good. A, that's that's so a really good. that's a really interesting parallel because we know that Mon Mothma hates the religions. And so does her husband. Honestly, yeah. her husband doesn't like the religions, the old religions either. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and like having that not be communicated to their daughter. So her daughter having to think that like, this is the only way I can connect with my family. Oh, this is a good show guys. Yeah. Perrin. Cause like, like mom says like Perrin just doesn't give a shit, like do whatever you want. Like, you know, I'm just not into it. Um, yeah. which is, you know, just as bad as like not paying attention to what your kid's into, but like parent not caring. And then mom, like mom, like, like, I don't know how much she stated, to her daughter, how much she hates. I don't remember from throughout the show if she stated to her specifically she hates Shangel and tradition. Mm-hmm. I don't think she has don't to think her. Has. So, so to Lita, this is a custom. This is normal. This is what my parents did. I'm going to do what my parents did to try to make them happy, even though I'm a uh, grumpy teenager. And that just adds more levels of like, man, Monsto and her whole family away. Oh my god, it's so sad. Right. Uh, it's cr- and she's throwing parent on the bus who might not be the best guy, but that whole scene in in, in the taxi cab, she's doing a double cross. And she's like, "You're take your taste. You're stealing money from us." And he's like, "I'm a shithole, but I literally have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> I was just about to mention that. I was just about to ask you guys if you think Mom Mothma's gaslighting Baron oh, into oh, yeah, saying yeah. that oh, she knows her driver's list. Because that's that's like because that's like uh, what you call it. That's like a good backup plan in case the Empire looks is like, "Hey, you lost four hundred thousand dollars." Him. Yeah, that's it's exactly yeah. That's exactly why the driver goes to talk to Blevin, the Imperial guy. Like, oh, I heard Mon Mothma talking about, like, gambling shit. He's like, you need to make sure this is true because we're really interested in Mon Mothma. And if it's just this gambling shit, then that's going to really throw up, throw up our plans. Yeah. So, like, so beautiful. We are, we, are, we are interested in the fact that Mon Mothma might be involved. Yeah. Oh, gambling? Nah, that's boring. That's she, what, didn't, ah. she didn't seem the type for rebellion anyway. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, it's so juicy. And again, like, this is, like, the first instance of Mon Mothma having to do the dirty work, too. <clears throat> like, she has to get dirty and throw her family under the bus, too to not only save herself, but, but save the rebellion. Um, it's it's tragic uh, what these people, like, again, Luthan, it's all about sacrifice. Like, what have you sacrificed? Like, everyone has to sacrifice literally everything to make to see the sunset for everyone else. I'm like, yeah, that's a good show. Yeah. Although, to be honest, I like Tamor and Lynn the second take you on screen. I'm like, how come you're not married to Monte? 
Mm. She got married at 15. I, yeah. I do like Tay. Chandra Lynn tradition. Yeah. Yeah, I, know. I do like Tay. Yeah, I like, yeah, Tay's cool. Um, God, there was so, there was someone else. And I'm trying to think about episode 11. Oh, the opening scene of episode 11. Oh, a beam. Uh, the opening scene when they're on the when they're Beach. on Ooh, the, the, the cliff. <laughs> no, not when the mom passes away, but when oh, they're on okay, the cliff. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, when they're on the cliff and um that the other guy, Mishi, Moshi, I don't know. The other what? Melshi. Melshi. Melshi, thank you. Well, like Melshi is talking, he's like, Yeah, we can't feel his hands. And then Cassian's like, I hear you. And he's like, No, no, he's like, No, I hear you. And then he's like, Tell me they're leaving. They're leaving. We're gonna get out of here. And I'm just like, oh, that's like the kind of I don't, dialogue. I don't know why. The dialogue in this in this in this show is very smartly written. Uh, I do love the aliens that they run into and in the <laughs> in the jumper. They are so funny. I was I really enjoyed those two. Uh, the, the Nar- they're Narkeens or Narkinians or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There is. Uh, I actually got a quote that I'll that I'll read later. But like Tony Girl was not. He was not interested. Very much the reason the Pixar conversation we have, like when you have so many different characters in a world and you have to create the world around them, like with aliens with different body parts, he wasn't. He was not interested in overcomplicating the story, uh, and by adding crazy aliens to him, which is just trying to tell a story of people, it added a lot of things. But going to a native world where you see the people there, they also hate the empire. They're willing to give prisoners a ride somewhere yeah. with how much they hate the empire. It's just like. Man, that's such good world building. Like, yo, homies, no matter who you are, homies hate the Empire. You yeah. love it. But that's the thing. That's the thing that I really like about Andor that I was really bummed about when it came to like Book of Boba Fett. People, I don't mean to throw another show under the bus. I really don't. It just came up. It just came up naturally. Um, the people, I think, rightly complained about like, maybe this was actually Obi-Wan. One of the shows set on Tatooine. Um, I hate that I had to say that sentence. Um, <laughs> said that like, um, uh, you know, the the population of the of the area was very human. There's not a lot of aliens in these places, but if you remember the first time we see Tatooine, there's tons of aliens. Um, you know, there are more aliens than there are humans. And then and then the the I would think it was Obi Wan. How there's only humans in that one settlement that we see in Obi Wan. And um, yeah, that's that's Obi Wan. Obi Wan has like pretty much only people. Yeah, and, and what I liked about Andor was that this what Andor shows us is an incredibly alive looking galaxy. Every planet we visit, outside of the ones that are outside of the, the prison planet, very alive. There's a lot of people, and not just people, but aliens too. And I and I I really love seeing that. I think people are yeah, like in the background shots, there's plenty of aliens, but I think just people want more like, you know, we we have animated shows and like big movies where mm-hmm. there's like, you know, CGI and like I get that. So Tony Gilroy said, um, uh, I understand that there's some people that feel that they've been shaded slightly with the amount of aliens that aren't in the show, but that's primarily, that's the main reason is complexity. Uh, it adds a level of complexity and it adds a level of political complexity that we're not going there, but look, we're leading literally into Rogue One. It's coming up, I promise. I, and I appreciate that there's at least like one alien dude in episode 12 amongst the riots. He's like, he's mostly red, but like clearly yeah. meant to be alien. Like he's basically a dude painted red, but he's clearly meant to be alien. And I'm like, hey, look, there's at least he one. He came there. from uh, the Guardians. Come on now, come on. You guys, now. you guys. If we don't see Admiral Radis in the next season, I might be upset. Oh yeah, no, we. Oh yeah, dude. The, Tony Gilroy knows what's up. Uh, he knows what's up. He he got to make. Not that he's not making obviously making season. He got to make his season one where he just got to make the political drama he wanted to make. Now he gets to make he he gets to make the Star Wars political drama. 
because like it, it's he, he's he's saying he leads into directly into Rogue One. Stuff from Rogue One will be in the next, will be in the next season. There's gonna be multiple time jumps per three episodes. Like we're about to get like a, we're about to get the Star Wars Andor show for real. I really, I really love this show. I think the show is incredible. I have no doubt in my mind that they can deliver an incredible second season that covers four years of time. Mm-hmm. I am really bummed after watching this these two episodes that we aren't getting five seasons of this show and i, I know why they didn't i know why they didn't do that actors thought didn't want to make that commitment maybe tony gilroy didn't even want to make that commitment um i do remember that diego luna said something about not wanting to make a five season commitment um i i wish we could get at least another season out of the show because i want more i just want more and that's a good thing that's a good thing to be in a place of like i just want more i want more of this give me more of this I, I'm in the same boat where I'm like, I I would I also wish there was at least like three seasons uh, mm-hmm. because I want to like still spend more time fleshing out Luthen. I want to still spend more time meeting all these characters and spending time with them because I really loved this season and I loved the pace of it. And I also like you and I'm sure the rest of us trust entirely that the second season is going to be top notch and I'm not going to have a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I, only going to wish that I got more. I didn't take a picture of it, but I remember him saying <clears> like <throat> the original plan was five. And when we got into the writing and production of season one, it was just unfeasible. This would take with the amount of time we're putting into every season, five seasons would take 10 years. And he's like, it's not a commitment I want to do. Mm-hmm. So he told Disney, I can do this in two seasons. Give me give me 24 episodes instead of six episodes, nine episodes, give me 12 each. I will make you the show that you wanted for five seasons. And honestly, I agree. I would watch the show for the rest of my life if they know. If right. I, would, I would do, I would watch Andor 24, where it's just a day in the life. I feel there's 24 <laughs> seasons. Like, I would watch that shit for real. But there is something to be said of like, Sometimes you don't need to stretch stuff out no matter how bad you want it. And I would I would so much rather get what we're getting than uh, this is sound like I'd rather get two incredible seasons of Andor than five really, really, really good seasons of Andor. And yes. I think that's that's where we were gonna we were gonna hit and like he just didn't want to stretch. I still I, I still kind of dream of like I think the sweet spot number could have been three. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not worried. I'm not nervous. No. And the important thing is like someone can still tell a story about the rebellion somewhere in here. Um it maybe they shouldn't if they're not Tony Gilroy, um, but somebody could, right? Yeah. Someone can fill in a space in, in, in amongst the time jumps that happen in the next season. There, Dude, can, I, there can be another story about people that aren't Andor, or pipe people, like people that are Luthen, or people that are Mon Mothma, or, or even Val and Sintha. Like yeah. another story can be told, or Karn and uh, Deirdre. Yeah, like um, my pipe dream is like again, like I like we all love Rebels here. Then you should watch Rebels one day. It's really good. Um, like I don't again, I don't expect Andor season two to be Rebels centric. But I can see a world where in a couple of years we get a Rebels, like almost like not a holiday special, but a Rebels like episode of like, here's what they were doing during Andor. Well, and, we, and we have the live action cast. So here's just an hour fun special of like, here's what was happening during the end of season one. And they hear about it. That's how they get involved in season two or something like, like all that is possible still, I think. Yeah. My God, the Rebels crew meets Luthen. I would lose my for, mind. No, Luthen shows up in an animated adventure. form. That's what's going to happen next. Make him I, Yeah, I just kind of, I just kind of look at this like, I, I, in Tony Gilroy, I trust. Like, you want to take your time. You want to tell whatever show you want to tell it, do it. Like, I will, I will be there. I will be there day one to watch Andor season two. Like, no question. And, and I'm watching, and I'm watching all these things, and I'm watching all these like plot threads that they're setting up, like, you know, uh, giving the Farrax people the ship, I'll find you. 
um, sending off B2 with, uh, with Bix and, and the other guy, I forgot the other guy, setting up Karn and, and Deidre and, 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 and Luthen and Andor and all that. And I'm just, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at all that. I'm like, Oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have, because of, because of the, so this is kind of the, like the, the, the give and take of, of the kind of continuous stream of content that we're getting from, from streaming services and things like that. There is always something to occupy my mind. Uh, and I've gotten to very comfortable with the fact of like, I know I don't, I no longer feel like the way I did as a kid where when a season ends of something, Oh, I'm eagerly, I can't, I I'm, I'm ripping my skin out trying to can't wait for the next season of this because nowadays well i don't have to i have mandalorian next i have the next marvel thing next i have this next i have that next i have always something that i can occupy my time something i like getting uh, coming up very soon and or when when andor ended i felt the way i did as a kid of i i need the second season i know we're not getting it soon but i i am i am ripping out my skin eager for that second season. And that's such a really great place to be in because I haven't felt that way in a long time. Yeah, yeah. They just started filming season two. So uh mid-2024, hopefully. <laughs> um take your time. Like I, I, I said I'm excited. I understand. Yeah. I'm very excited, but like take your time. Like I I want I have no I have no doubt that the second season will be just as good as not better uh yeah. than the season. Um uh I you don't want to take that time. Don't mind me. I'll just, I'll just be, I'll be there. I'll be there. Do you think there's any chance? This is me. This is prompted by nothing. I was just thinking mm-hmm. about, do you think there's any chance they decide? Probably not because they changed the distributor, uh, the the head of like deciding how these things get happened at Disney plus like this guy got fired in the post JPEG era. Um, <clears throat> but uh, do you think that there's any chance that what they decide to do because it is like arcs by time jump is that they drop one time? And then, oh, a few months hmm. later, new time, time jump, different points. Oh. So it becomes like the second season becomes event viewing. No, hmm. no, because they've they've already said it's basically the same structure as season one. It's going to be. I mean, I mean, I, I that is bold. Like releasing basically like little movies. I would be cool with that, but I I don't think they're going to do that. That'd be a cool idea though. I wonder because like, it's definitely a way to <clears throat> it's definitely a way to generate a lot of like. In the moment, buzz. I think. I think after now that season one is out, I don't think they'll do that because by the time season two will come out, it'll have all its fans, right? And they don't need to do that. They don't need eyes on season two, right? By then, I don't think. That's a cool idea, but like, I there's no. No, yeah, yeah. It's no not prompted by nothing. I was just thinking, like, that'd be cool could. though, like little movies. Yeah, I mean, that's what they did with ABC and Freeform. Like, they dropped them. Like, hey, here's the first three episodes. Uh, hope you like it. It's essentially like dropping. Um, Brandon will appreciate this. It's like dropping Gilmore Girls a year in the life, right? Yeah, sure. Individual pieces, like one throughout the year, uh, four mm-hmm. throughout the year. Tony Gower did say that was a big inspiration for him, actually. <laughs> so maybe. I'm Who knows? <laughs> he loves. He loves. Laura he Lyle. loves Gilmore Girls. That'd be um, really funny if that were true. No, but it'd be. It'd be. I could. Uh, I could see it, but I'm not. There's no precedence to think that that's yeah. what they'll do. I just. I would. That would be interesting if that's the way yeah. they decided to go. About we it. we Ben like forty minutes ago. Um, that's an exaggeration. Brought up uh, uh, the beginning of episode eleven, and I want to go back to that because B B two B two emo, man. Like every new droid that comes up, like you're you're like my favorite droid. Oh, you're my favorite droid. Like Chopper is still my favorite droid because he's a psychotic monster. <laughs> but 
<laughs> B two emo is like the opposite. He's like a little. He's like a little uh, 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 Eeyore. He's like he's okay. the sweetest boy. Oh my oh god! god. When, when he was like, I don't want to leave. I want Marva. I'm like, you break my heart, little man. You kidding? Yeah, yeah. You kidding me? I did not think a droid could literally break my heart because you see droids. I I'm you see I see droids in Star Wars. I see them as machines. I do have, of course. Um, sentimental and emotional attachments to the droids of C three P. C three P is not sentient to you enough, Ben. Well, how racist like of you, Ben? Like Obi Wan, yeah. Early right. years, Obi Wan. Early. So when, Obi-Wan. so when, when, when L three was causing that rebe- that re- that re- rebellion on Kessel, you were like, "What are they? What are they complaining the about? Liars, they're just they're machines. Liars. They're just machines." Poor L three. L three died, Ben. I know L three transferred into the Millennium Falcon. L three is the Millennium Falcon, Ben. That is actually a that is a fun point to bring up because the thing that I love about Andor is everyone on Ferrix treats droids like people. B B two might as well be a person or a or like a dog, right? Like he he is part of a family. It doesn't matter that he's a droid or a dog or whatever. He's he's part of the family, and they 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 treat him like one. And I think that yeah. is that is so special because Ben, you you are right, like. In a lot of the other shows, like they don't treat droids like people. They're they are kind of like either comic relief or tools. Mm-hmm. And there are certain shows. Uh, uh, I think that the animated shows do certain a pretty good job. Certain relationships, yeah, like, like Anakin and R two. Yeah, like I think the yeah. like, Clone Wars Rebels, like they really go into like no, like these they're Poe like, po and BB eight. Exactly. Yeah. Like I think I think when 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 done right, like nah, man, they're 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 little people. And and it, it is laying the groundwork groundwork of why Andor would be quickly endeared to K two S O. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I that's also really. I think sorry, really quick to bed because like again, this is such a juicy topic that you stumbled on, and I want to I want to keep in it for a minute. But like the idea of like um, the droids being treated as second class citizens has always been in Star Wars. Droids being being treated as pe- as things and not people has always been in Star Wars from from a New Hope, and when they weren't allowed into the into the bar, um, you know the the idea that and so like New Star Wars has kind of. Kind of, kind of looked into that, but no Star Wars show has really like dived into like what what that could possibly mean. And interestingly enough, Solo is the one that did it the most. Yeah. Um, and I and, and I re- I do really appreciate that because like I think what a lot of people have realized, what Ben kind of accidentally stepped in, um, is that the um, uh, is, is that droids are sentient, but so many people have just thought of them as cute little as cute little machines that we that we that we look on. But hell. The entirety of the original trilogy wouldn't have wouldn't have worked if R two D two wasn't wasn't such a badass. Like you know, and so like so I think that's a lot of fun to think about. Like, when will that well when will that story get told of like the droid sentient being being a, a major player? Is it's kind of a fun idea? I think. Yeah. Sorry, but as just, I was, I just to, had fun. As I was trying to say originally, B two uh, was breaking my heart. The, like when they were talking, like when we were watching it, like the discovery of Marva through the perspective of B2 oh. and how you don't necessarily, they don't, and just like the whole thing of like it just being all wavy and it, it's like the second he says, I want Marva, I will wait here for her. It's like, dude, trying to tell your so, pet. That is uh, yeah. so sad. It is so heartbreaking. Yeah, the cup, the cup on, that's standing on him is basically acting like a watering eye because he uh-huh. can't cry. 
by the yeah. things like welling up like 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 someone's crying and yeah. i'm like when Man, holy shit that's when, not to not to not to skip to the next episode too much but like when he's kicked i was like oh how dare you bro that's, <laughs> that's how the rebellion starts right that now. is that is because <laughs> he, throws over, he throws him over and that's marva, how the fighting begins marva might be the mother of the rebellion but really the father is b2 no 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 he's the baby, he's the baby <laughs> of that village like they give a shit about that's him. true that's true he was marva's kid like that that droid had been there since way before cassian that's got true there. that's true you're right. been with them a long time they all knew marva they all knew him uh and so everybody cares about him especially as he's getting in his old age and he's not he's not the droid he used to be uh, and when, uh, when cassian yeah. when cassian says to when cassian says to to be to like take care of them i'll, I'll i will find you is like you're not coming with us like oh it's also a good representation, oh. again, like like the way that these people care about B2Emo is different because when we see the droids usually treated as second-class citizens it's or, or like considered lower, it's usually in the Outer Rim. And if you went and looked at it, it would be because, in theory, right? In the it's outer because rim, of the Clone Wars. I was going to say, in theory, in the Outer Rim, droids took their jobs. Yeah. Droids are the reason why they are poor and treated, and treated unfairly and don't have the opportunities to... Uh, maintain wealth and then they got murdered by them yes in the in the way that they wanted to um and then this is you know ferrix is not outer rim is not poor Mm -hmm. um it is a place managed by the empire it is a place closer to center it is certainly a labor uh intensive place where they build something but none i wouldn't call anybody here poor i think they're like middle class they're like like the regular middle class they're like the, the that the more average not poor level and so they have a different relationship with droids than the people in the outer rim would. yeah 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 you're that's a really good point um there's a when when b2 emo when when b was um trying to convince um what's the guy's name brazos brazos um that he uh uh can we just stay you know can, can we stay i want to stay here uh, you know, because he's like, he's not charging. Um, and like the, Brazos knows that. And he's just like, and he, and he, this is like, fine, we'll stay, we'll stay one night. Yeah. It's so beautiful, man. It is. It's very touching. Um, let's talk about in episode 11, the incredibly great scene between Luthen and Saul Guerrero. Oh, oh. juicy. Where, juicy where he comes dinner. Where he comes to tell him <laughs> about what's going to happen to Anton. And Krieger. Saw is on his way out, ready to go, baby. Let's do this. I've decided I'm joining up. And he's like, I need to tell you, honestly, this is what's up. And it's really great because it is Luthen say, like, Saw Guerrero is like, why are you telling me that? Why are you telling me this? And he's like, I want you to make this call because I no longer know if I'm doing the right thing. I now question if I'm doing the wrong thing, letting this man and a bunch of others die. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's worth it for the informant, but am I wrong? Have I lost the sight of what's truly valuable here? Yeah, the, the line where Saul's like, "Is this really what you think?" And he's like, "Well, I did," because like he's actually like, "What if I'm going? What if like he, he's a hard man?" But like, "What if I'm going too hard right now?" But like, Luther, no, you're right. Every time they say thirty men plus Krieger. and and Krieger, because yeah. on, Krieger is honestly the more important person here. That's why yeah. Luther continuously said it every single time. Like, because thirty people—that's that's a decent amount of people. They're not a, the leader of a faction. But you look at it like like you have your pockets, right? And your most prominent pockets right now are Saw, what Luthen's doing with Mothma, and Krieger. Krieger. And they're going to lose one of their most important pockets right now. They're going yeah. to lose weapons. They're going to lose resources. They're going to lose a good leader. Yeah. Um, that is so good that Luthen has to come there and be like, I question if having the informant is worth it. I just don't know. 
Ben, what do yeah. you think? <laughs> I, <laughs> we all saw that. We were all like, Ben. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying. So I love this. So the scene with Saw, yeah. I love it. I absolutely adore that scene. That was such a good thing because the whole time I'm thinking, how is Luther going to get out of it? Because Saw, we know, is, a, is Saw is unhinged. He's the type of guy who is willing to go guns blazing. Let's blow everything in sight. He's the definitely the type of person to shoot three or four times and ask questions like five days later. Well, he's yeah. not quite that person yet. Yeah. He's getting I there. I think Luthen might've been the person who turned him into that with two tubes. <laughs> yes. Well, no, I was going to say like this, this is important, right? Because in rogue one, the rebellion truly goes to war in the events of Rogue One. That is when they decide a unified attack. We are going at the Empire. This is it. We are a rebellion. Scare yeah. This is the moment where we militaristically can push connect. back. But this is the moment where Saw went to war with the Empire. Yeah. This is when he says, now we're at war. This mm -hmm. is an act of war. Because he doesn't want Anton Krieger to die for nothing. Yeah. Um, he might not like him, but he... And he, he has him. his own different way of thinking about it. So Saw starts his war with the Empire now. Yeah, I, I didn't realize real quickly that I didn't realize that two tubes name would actually be canonically two tubes. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was just what we call them. <laughs> you know, we got Dr. Quad Pod, the doctor, and I'm like, yo, man, I got the goofiest names. Two tubes, I'm not joking, probably my favorite glove shit out. Every time that dude shows up, he's got his <laughs> gun and he's got his tubes. I'm like, there's my glove shit out. There's my man. I love you, man. Oh, you know what's interesting? We, you know, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how he went from, um, Mm, what's her name? Solo. She's in. He's in the girl from Solo. Oh, Red hair. Oh, oh uh, flag oh. smasher from Solo. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She's Infus Nest. Rogue, rogue, uh, like crim Crimson. Infus Nest. Infus Nest. Nest. Two tubes was with Infus Nest five years ago. From this point, and now he's with Saw. You know what? Show me. A Star Wars story, two tubes. Give me his two tube story. You know, honestly, he was like, "You guys aren't doing enough. I need to find someone who goes harder." And then he found Saw. And he's like, "Oh, my man." Or did <laughs> Infant's Nest? Or what? Would you say? Did Saw just take over Infant's Nest? I was just about to say the same thing. Did yeah, Saw yeah. take over Infant's Nest? Buying it. Yeah, yeah. Is that how he got a lot of his force started? Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like seeing this version of Saw Guerrera um, when he when he should when he's like he's like is there someone in Mike we we're starting to see like the 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 person that he'll become like is there someone in Mike yeah, you have someone here you have someone who is it who do you have here that's that's spying on me it's two and, tubes and the thing is he probably does yeah it's not two tubes but he absolutely does or else how would he know yeah yeah, he yeah. no he just throws two tubes two tubes is like whoa 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 no, no. <laughs> That's so good. I didn't do shit. What are you talking about? It's because he knew I, how like Saul was spinning himself up and he had to just get to the point where he could get him to focus, which is pulling the gun on him. Um, and he's I, like, I just want you to listen. When that moment happened, I I, I knew like, I didn't think Luthen was going to die, but I didn't, because how Saul is and how Luthen is, I didn't know how that was going to go out. I thought I thought it was going to be worse. Because yeah. I'm like, you just pulled a gun on Saul Guerrero, bro? What are you doing? Uh, I'm, su like, I'm surprised that the second that he pulls a gun on Saw, you don't see everyone else just point their weapons right at Luthen. Yeah, yeah. Now, now with this scene, we are currently tiptoeing around the elephant in the room. Um, when he's walking up to Saw, they uh, do a body check on him to see what he's carrying. And we see a particularly interesting wooden item. Oh, his cane that he doesn't use very often. Which looks interesting. very much like a lightsaber handle. Listen, like there's, I'm, I'm still, I'm still like, if they never do anything with him being a Jedi, that's fine. 
But like, man, episode 12, he was giving off the hardest Jedi vibes I've ever felt in my life. You could still, you could still, I think, go under the guise of like, he knew a Jedi and yeah. that might be their lightsaber. And yeah. he had it retrofitted into a cane. Yeah. You could go that way for They're sure. Not, it's but Chekhov's it, But it was, it was distinct. Yeah. I either put it down or give it back. It just yeah. takes it from me. Listen, just like Andor's sister, who will eventually show up, I, I'm sure, that, that cane is going to be used in some way, whether it's a cane and it's just like he opens it and it's just a cane and you like, oh, of course it's just a cane. Uh, or it's like a big moment either way. I'm like, you guys aren't doing that on, on accident. You, I you brought up doing. you brought up uh Andor's sister, which kind of triggered which kind of triggered a thought that I had last night when I was watching this. Um the the, the last episode. When I was thinking to myself, like, there's a line in Rogue One. I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that he comes from a planet that as far as we know, didn't have a major Republic presence. Um, we don't know much. We don't know much about that planet though. They're like, like basically like, 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 oh, I feel like native Americans. Like they're very like, they're like, like low technology. Yeah. Just living in a forest kind of people. The original idea. I don't know if this was ever made canon and then retcon later, but I believe the original idea was that his parents were separatists. Um, and then he joined the rebellion, much like Saul was a, he fought, he fought the separatists and then fought the empire. Um, I wonder if they're going to explain that, if they're going to find a way to make that work, or if they will just be like, you know what, that six-year-old thing, you know, ignore it, it's fine. Well, I think... Well, you don't need to ignore it, because, like, in many ways, you can argue that, like, when he was, when he was that young, when we see him taken by Marva... that thing. When we see him taken by Marva, it's the Republic, maybe, but, like, it's still people invading his home. It's still people managing his space killing his people yeah um and he's been fighting that force his entire life mentally like whether he was doing it actively or just like trying to have to duck his head down and and under the guise of whatever get around them because like he might not have been part of the rebellion but he was constantly looking to undermine whatever the force that was pushing down on everybody was that's why he went in when he could and stole the imperial thing that luthan was looking for at the beginning that box like he he hates all that form of power, regardless of what it was. So that's that's what I think he means by like I was in that fight since I was six. Our little sweet pea is just laying next to us, and she never does that, and it makes me happy. <laughs> She's so cute. Sorry. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point, Sparks. I I, I hadn't thought about that, but uh, if that is the if that is what the intention is, then that's fine. Um, well, you, you think about it like there's no reason to suspect that he knew that was the Republic, not the empire at the time. I don't think he, yeah. I don't think Marva ever necessarily explained the difference between the two. What, like what would be the purpose that not long after he would be willing to think about it, it would be the empire. So mm-hmm. it, all it is, is just a, a higher force uh, coming in and messing with your home. Yeah. And yeah. he's been against that the whole time. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If you're, and we know yeah. that they were there for a while because we saw what they were doing to the land. It wasn't just that one ship, that one time. And you're right. Like, the, that yeah. that planet was a mining planet. Something happened to that planet to make the Republic abandon it. Yeah. Um. Hey, you know what? His parents could have been part. Could have been miners that were killed. That you know, we don't know where those kids came from. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's it. That's a really important point. Is that we don't really see adults much. Yeah. In if that Lord whole, flies. like they like they've all been taken. And if you think of it that way, like ever since he was six, they took his parents away. That's it. Yeah. Like that's that's the whole thing right there. Do you think Marva was meant to say "f the empire"? He was. She was. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 in, in one of the interviews, uh, Tony Gore said, "I was. I, they didn't limit me on much. I can do very little sex, and I couldn't swear. I couldn't use the big swear words because we get shit and bastard in, in these episodes." Mm-hmm. Um, he would hundred percent 
Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, on Reddit, someone was in was a extra behind the scenes, and she did say "fuck the empire" on set. So I was thinking about this. There are, I think, there are now two instances that I can think of offhand. I'm sure there are more where someone has said "f you" in a way that wasn't saying "f you," and one of them was Star Trek 09 when Spock is told that he can't that he has that you know his blah 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 uh and he goes live long and prosper that's definitely him saying f you to the vulcan high council and i've been kind of waiting for another person to do something similar and i really think this was the scene with marva where she says fight the empire was that again and i was really happy to see that i think i think they made the right call uh to not have her like you feel it just like you said brandon it's there you feel it yeah you you know it but i i'm i'm i Maybe I'm a little too purist with Star Wars. I I would prefer that I never hear an F bomb in Star Wars. I don't yeah, think sure. the word belongs in Star Wars. I don't think it fits the language of Star Wars. I, I think there's no need to do it. It's one of those properties where it's like you really never need to go there. And you don't need to like say Flarkin or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you, you just you don't need to go there. Yeah. Um I thought the shit was fine. I was surprised to hear it earlier in the season. I think I made note of it in one of our previous reviews. I mean, she also calls them bastards, but that's more of like a not not as bad word. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, but like shit, we never, we definitely had never heard before in Star Wars. Yeah, and I, it really did go make me go. Oh, weird. We usually hear like voodoo or something yeah, there. Yeah. Um, that's weird. Uh, and but I like I can roll with that. But I do think like dropping the f bomb is is the like the the one curse word. Maybe that and the c one. Uh, that I think both of those don't belong in Star Wars. When Star Trek did it for the first time in Discovery, uh, one of the characters dropped the F-bomb. It made national headline oh, news. Weird. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's just like, you know, there there's an amount of like, you want Star Wars to be more than just like what you think it is as a kid. But yeah, like, yeah. I do want that world to feel apart. And yeah, I yeah. think bringing it a little too close with something like the F-bomb is like... You're right. Like there's That's, too many... that's just a little too close to just being something made by us. Also, too many nuts and screws and bricks on this show. You take, like... you take a layer You take a layer of the separation of Star Wars from our reality down if you do that. Yeah, yeah there is like... It is like a weird, like, we know it's not the real world, but like, it, also like, you don't need to bring every real thing into Star yes. Wars. Like, it can be its own thing while still taking from real world. Cause yes. It's, cause it's and like Brandon said, the intent is there. You feel it. You yeah. know that's what is intended. Like, you feel it. It's there. And I love, I love the show. It's like, man, that was a great speech. And you're like, yeah, which one? <laughs> oh my God. In that same episode, in that same episode where we hear the manifesto as well and Marva's speech, brilliant. Brilliant. The manifesto guy, the guy who's narrating the manifesto is just saying the same things that we know is going to happen. There are these small pockets of rebellion all across the galaxy and they just need to unite into one. I'm really glad that the logic is that Cassian started listening to the manifesto. His podcast after the prison. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and he's like, okay, this is, this is bad. My favorite line from the manifesto is, um, they have to grip us so hard because tyranny is unnatural. They have yes. to. They have to keep their foot on our neck, or because it's not. It's not what we're used to. So they have to keep the pressure. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, the show is so well written. Oh my god. Yeah. And 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 I was thinking about that the entire time that line was going on because like the empire, because it's like the empire is unnatural. That everything about what the empire is trying to do is <laughs> unnatural. And when you think about it, Palpatine created the Death Star. So Palpatine has such an interesting line to get to the to get to the death star in in this time period he's got the senators well he doesn't trust any of the senators the senators have no power he has the entire power in, in the government so what does he do 
the senator the, he keeps the senators initially to keep the systems in check so that they don't so that they don't rise up against him because he knows there's more of them than there are of him than there are of, of, of his of his soldiers which is the the prison allegory then he starts he starts realizing senators aren't going to be in line all all along they're just rich people i need to keep them fat rich and happy so i install the governors the governors on every system are mine to control they answer only to me they do not answer to the senators and then once the governors are in control and the death star is built gone with the senators I now run everything. And he is playing this. What What's so interesting is like, you know, I talk a lot about how I like the prequels. Uh, it's, it's known. Like the, the idea that a Palpatine's intricate plan to create the empire didn't stop with the creation of the empire. It stopped. It, he intended it to stop with the creation of the Death Star. And like the, the idea of like, he's got the empire, but he still needs to make these plans. He still needs to play everyone so that they don't know what exactly he's doing. Luthien even says that they've been strangling us so long we we forgot we 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 forgot to fight back. Or what does he say? Um, we forgot to notice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because like the empire, yes, the empire happened, but then losing the senators, gaining the governors, losing this, gaining this, losing that, gaining this. We see it in the Bad Batch. We see it in Rebels. We see it in Andor. We see it in all these sort of things. All these things were more more of a step to get the empire to the place of total control. And then Luke comes in and screws everything up. I love seeing that path. Stay on target. Yeah. Fear will keep the regional, fear will keep the local systems in line. Fear exactly. this battle station. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I want to talk about the sets real quick. That's again, I, I watched and read a bunch of interviews. Um, we obviously know a lot of this was practical. Like obviously there's CG in Star Wars, but um, they had a five acre set for Ferrix. Mm-hmm. And it shows. And it shows. And they not just Ferrix for sorry, uh, for, for for Andor, but a lot of it was Ferrix. And the prison, they spent 10 months building that prison. <laughs> 10 months. That's an entire shoot for some people. So worth like, it. like every set, I'm like, damn, you really did build that set. Like the the set decorators were in the writing room, so they knew how to plan everything. Like th- it was so meticulously created from the ground up. I'm like, man, like, why do you have us why do you have the set decorators in the writing room? That's insane. I'm like, yeah, look, look what happens when, when everyone's included <clears throat> on their creative process. This is all the more reason. Go ahead, Ben. No, I was, I was just gonna say it makes it look so good. This is the best it, looking Star Wars. I thought the don't get me wrong, the volume is really cool. It is a very cool piece of tech. But all of the sets, like Ferrix itself, I'm like, I'm on a planet now. I'm on a different planet. I'm on I'm in the middle of this of this town, of this town that's lived in, this town that has its own identity. I love it. The volume's cool. It has limitations. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can't like the volume's great when you're doing small stuff, but like sometimes like when you want to expand that's not in space, like it you know it's not real. It looks good, but you know it's not there. You can mm-hmm. feel it. Yeah. Uh I think it it, it also speaks to the like, you know anti the Star Wars is a good example for this, but anti the like Star Wars movie every year kind of thinking that they were doing for a a portion there Mm -hmm. uh, where like if they hadn't felt so compelled to push Solo or push Rise of Skywalker out, I I like Solo, um, Mm -hmm. but, but like it was the, the compulsion of, we must put that movie out at this time. We must put this movie out every year instead of being willing, especially in the loss of Carrie Fisher to push Rise of Skywalker back that I think contributes to the fact that it's not a well thought out film, not a mm-hmm. well uh, structured film because they rushed it um, and they rushed it when they shouldn't have. Uh, and when you take the time, 10 months to build a prison, when you take the time, 
then you get a good product. Um, you know, I think we we will more and more be rubbing up against that sometimes with some of these big franchise IPs that sometimes things take a little more time and we need to be okay with that. We all need to accept it. Yeah. Again, that that hearing that Daredevil is an 18-month shoot in New York is like, or no, sorry, a 12-month shoot. Sorry. It's like a year, it's a, it's a whole ass year of shooting. I'm like, man, see, that's that's them taking their time. Like I feel like Andor. It's like, well, like we knew we could do this with Star Wars. Let's try it. Let's try it with Daredevil. Um, hopefully, that's a good parallel. Hopefully I do. Works. I do think Andor will hopefully set a sea change in how they think about uh, the quality of what they put out for these franchises. That like quality is better than quantity. Oh yeah. yeah. I want more of these things. I want them to be good more than I want more. Yes. Um, and I think like I, I would even point to Werewolf by Night or um, the the Guardians Holiday Special as examples of like because those things were more finite they were able to take more time to make them just right for their little amount of time that they had and they hit pitch perfect on a high that when taken as a whole some of the other seasons of marvel or star wars stuff don't yeah, uh, werewolf by night like obviously there's like like man thing is cg tons but that's a set they built a big ass set like that's a place they went to um and like it just it's 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 it shows and it's 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 valuable it's worth it the thing uh, is like the volume is a tool Yes. yes. The volume is a tool, just like anything else is a tool. When it's used as a crutch, it doesn't work. And I think The Mandalorian Season 2 especially, and Boba Fett too, started using the the, the volume as a crutch. And, okay. and, and I'm really happy that Tony Gilroy decided not to use the volume. I do think he could have benefited from it if he used it as a tool, but knowing the limitations of the volume, he decided to go this route. And I'm, I think that was the right, it was the right way to go. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I I want to turn to a scene uh, before we focus on what I think is the important part of talking about the finale, the whole thing on Ferrix and and all the angles of that. Um, there is one more moment from episode eleven I want to spotlight, which is Luthen's escape from the Imperial ship. Oh, uh, so I'm, hoping, I'm hoping this might uh, wake Ben up a little bit. Ben, tell us uh, how much you were jazzed about this scene. Oh, I love this. I, every time we mention this scene, it's like, man, I want to talk about this one. I want to talk about that one. But yeah, the just Luthen uh, escaping from the Empire and him just a destroying the tractor beam, b just wiping those Tie Fighters off the fate out of the sky. I was just like, "You go, Luthen!" And it also makes it makes you feel that Luthen is just more than a than a guy who makes deals in a in a in an antique shop. He's more. Uh, we know he's more than just the guy he is because like we see him, yeah, he knows everything about Cassie Andor. And then the next episode, you see him putting the wig on, doing his little ah like. It's like, oh, yes, this is the mask I put on, the airs I put on the Empire. And to see him that he can back all of this up because he's a fantastic pilot and he is and he's a great pilot. He can he can lie on the spot and he can just blow shit up. Oh man! Just like, when he's doing when he's doing the 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 he's talking to the empire, he's like, "Oh yeah, hang on, I'm just trying to figure. I'm just trying to. I'm a one man crew here, so I'm just gotta, army, give me a second. Yeah. Give me okay. give me a second. It kind of reminded me of uh, um, New Hope, where Han is like, "Everything's fine. How We're are you? Fine now here. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're right. The, the the padding that he does, and it, it really is that like." It doesn't even matter like how skilled he is or anything. The fact is that Luthen is willing to throw every single trick in the book to make sure he escapes because he's like, if I'm caught, it's over. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and I can't, I cannot allow it. And I cannot allow it. I will do whatever it takes to not be captured. And once again, Imperial overreach, like like the the, the captain of that ship, 
he's definitely going to get uh, demoted or die because that is an expensive ship that Luther just destroyed. All yeah. that surveillance. And he's, he was like, a oh, gigantic satellite. The, bull, oh, the, the boys need practice. Let them board anyway, even if we don't need to. And I'm like, there you go being an asshole. Look what you get. Because they buy it. They buy the the, the new transponder, the 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 Alder the and transponder. And they're like, okay, yeah, he, he's so, just... He's just been, he just wasn't compliant enough. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah. I, I, what I, what I, so, so two things that I want to, uh, one thing I want to highlight before we talk, before I talk about the, 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 the Cantwell class is that what's really cool about, um, the lead up to that scene is the dialogue between Luth and his, his assistant. I forgot her name. Sorry. Clea. Clea. Um, the they're talking in code about pieces about artwork if we lose this piece we we have to close up shop like i it's brilliant it's a brilliantly written scene and as the audience you're never lost once you know exactly who they're talking about they're talking about and or they're talking about saw they're talking about this that um it's wonderful to see um and 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 they're and and luthan is keeping up the 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 lie just in case the empire is listening someone's always listening um i i thought that was a brilliantly written scene i just wanted to highlight that because it, it's oh, yeah. brilliant not yeah. to, not to mention his lasers <laughs> the cantwell class is really interesting to me because we have not seen that ship in action before we have seen it once in solo but we haven't we but it was under like a holographic projector in um and and the recruitment station where he gets his last name. Um, I've used it in Star Wars strategy video games. And it's a really cool ship that was, I believe, a concept art for the original Star Destroyer. It was supposed, I think it was supposed to be like the Star Destroyer, like the first Ralph McQuarrie designed Star, Star Destroyer. <laughs> um, and so it's really cool to see that ship in live action, in action, uh, and how like the, the satellite dish works. And I got to tell you, I knew that the show looked good because when they first showed us the, the ship and light speed and the first third, third episode, third, yeah. um, I looked at that ship and I go, Holy shit. The lighting on that ship is immaculate. The, 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 the scale of that ship is gorgeous. What, what show am I watching? This is a movie. Yeah. This is a movie. Yeah. 100%. And we see it again. The lighting on that star destroyer, the, the, the pure whites on the Star Destroyer is so is so so blindingly beautiful. On the pl the planet is gorgeous. The, the 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 light the light source from the sun uh, in the system amazing. The scale <clears throat> I'm choking because I loved I loved the the effects the CGI in that sequence are frankly the best we have seen in a Star Wars live action TV show. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um beautiful yeah i just man uh, uh it makes me think of it's episode seven when cinta is back on aldani and she sees the giant starter shore show up and she's just looking up at it and i'm like man that looks so good yeah because she's on a real she's on a real land which is real and then you see the thing upstairs i'm like well they had enough time to work on that i'm like man this is just real and practical like, and cgi is all it's just so beautiful when you don't rely on cgi the entire time like it's it's just it's, it's magical and what helps and what helps is that it 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 allows it to feel like it's a piece with Rogue One specifically because Rogue One, one of the things that Rogue One does really well is the scale of the Star Destroyers and the Death Star. Mm -hmm. I, I I think that the visuals in Rogue One are some of the best in Star Wars, um, even to this day. Maybe Tarkin's aging a bit, but still. Um, like I think that like what we're seeing, what we see like the first shot of the Death Star satellite of the Death Star dish being installed is incredible. The, the fight above Scarif, I believe it's the best it's the best uh, fight scene in all of the Star Wars. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, 
and and it feels real and it feels and and we see you know in Jeddah when we see the star destroyer on top of Jeddah and like we we get the scale we feel the scale we see the texture we feel the texture like it's, it is incredible one of the things that Gareth Edwards did really well um it was Edwards right I said that one right yeah yeah okay I was Evans and Edwards I, I know they're different people but yeah, yeah. Edwards um, understands scale. And and what Tony Gilroy has done is translated that so brilliantly to Andor, and 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 I cannot wait in three years' time when Andor ends and I watch Rogue One because it's going to feel exactly the same visually, stylistically. Yeah. Don't forget Tony Gilroy helped write and reshoot a lot of the finale of Rogue One as well. He did. He did. So it's Garrett Edwards definitely started it, but like there's a reason Tony Gilroy came back. Like, no, I know. I Gareth Gareth. I don't. I don't. I I don't mean to diminish Tony Gilroy's involvement no, no. in Rogue One because he is the reason why Rogue One is the movie it is. Gareth yeah. Edwards did not do the reshoots for that movie. Gareth Edward Gareth Edwards did set the design sensibility for that movie, Absolutely. and Tony Gilroy picked it up and did some some great work with it, and continues to do great work with it in Andor. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about. Um merchandise because andor is not exactly a show you think would be like hey we're on walmart uh during the rolling stone interview he was like uh are there gonna be any toys i personally really want the prison set ha 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 and he's like we have toys we have the fondor hallcraft and we have b2 emo we'll have some more toys before before the end of the entire show hopefully so at least we're getting two cool ones because like i don't know if i want i'm gonna buy a bix colleen figure but like i could go for a b2 figure i'll probably get a b2 emo (laughs) go for a b2 figure um man i really like that little droid yeah Oh, yeah. and the, the the we sorry you, you mentioned an offhand, but like the the double bladed lightsaber coming out of coming out of that ship is. See, the thing is, like when we watch the trailer, that that shot's in the trailer. I forgot. Is uh, one is isn't one of the trailers, and and is kind of the it's kind of it kind of gave me the wrong impression after watching all the other shows that we talked about. The reason why and why we came in to Andor with with such low expectation is partially because of the other shows have been disappointing. Mm-hmm. And one of that is like, oh, is this going to be action heavy? Are this going to be lightsabers? Oh, a ship with lightsabers. <laughs> but the fact that they are able to hold that back, wait till the show earns it, and then deliver one of the best skirmishes that we've seen. Incredible. Incredible. And I love, I just love that Luthen, like, he had a plan. Like, he, if this ever happened, like, yo, I know what I got to do. Like, tractor beams pull shit. I got a lot of shit they don't want to get pulled. Bunch of shit, mm-hmm. bunch of trash. Trash man. Uh, it's just really smart. Um, yes, exceptional scene. Uh, I now want to focus on the funeral for Let's do it. Uh, at Ferrix and everything that happens there. <gasps> Dung. Uh, Dung. Everything about the construction of this is wonderful. The finale is so good. Yeah. The focus of this on on this place saying goodbye to a daughter of Ferrix, uh, Marva. Having a real marching band on set too, playing the music too. <laughs> uh, her hologram again, Fiona Shaw, wonderful. I'm so glad that she was able to play this part in this um, because I think she's great. I think her appearance as a hologram is wonderful. Mother of the Rebellion, baby. Um, I like that. I really love the music. I love the way that they have it with the instruments and how they're moving down the street. Um, I love the way that we see these frightened fascists. Uh, trying to prepare for this and getting scared, um, especially Deirdre uh, when she gets n- nabbed by the mob before her um, sub uh, Clarence saves her. Oh my her. god, dude, she gets hit with a rock and I'm like, 
damn vicious. And then she starts getting like mauled by 10 people. I'm like, damn. Uh, and, and Brazos using Marva's brick to take that first hit against the guy who, who knocks over B2 emo. I want that action figure. I'll yeah, buy him in a brick. Right. 100%. Boom. I'll do it. That's a Banksy right there. That yeah. moment of boom. <laughs> uh, uh, I think that's it's just all constructed so very, very well. Um, and the episode's tension and its release of tension is so good. Uh, I I love and adore every bit. There's a bit that, that I noticed watching it when Deidre and the Imperials who are looking for Cassian are looking around. Marva is already talking slander mm-hmm. against the Empire. Deidre's not paying attention because she's so fully just focused on finding Andor. That was her mistake. Mm-hmm. That was one of her mistakes. Uh, in this episode specifically, she's looking at this going like, okay, where's Andor? Where's Andor? She's not paying attention to what Marva's... Well, what's, what's this girl, the, that girl saying? It doesn't matter to me. I'm looking for Andor. I need to find Andor. And, and, and she doesn't pay attention to the fact that like this crowd is getting riled up. Yes. And but the other the the the, the lower guy, the the black suited fascist um, is looking at this like, mm, uh, shit. Yeah. Do yeah, we stop this, this? This there have been obviously like other like, you know, they just killed Anton Keegan and stuff. But like this really like and this is bringing me back to like my my being like a history buff days of like this reminded me of the first battle of the revolution at Lexington and Concord. Mm-hmm. And I, this is not something I pulled from it. This is me. Like I actually think you like, I actually got to think about something for once in my life. It's amazing. Like, like the first battle, like the shot her around the world, like that's the start of the revolution. Uh, well, thank you. Schoolhouse rock and shit. But like, this is the first time that like, yes, there, there are like rebel separatists and stuff like that, but this is the first time the regular people just outright attack the empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm the thing I'm more curious about than anything is What's going to happen to Deidre? Because she failed her mission on Ferrix. Mm-hmm. So either she's going to get she's either going to get uh, uh, fired and become a crazy terrorist with with a C- uh, Cyril Karn, or she's going to stay she's going to stay in the Empire and get demoted or something. But like this is this is not a win for her. So she is going to get some serious backlash, and I think it's just going to turn her into an more evil fascist, regardless of what actually happens to her. I think. I think this is like the start of like super evil Deidre and Karn like like yeah. moment. I think I think she's going to have a more refined version of what happened to him. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah, what, yeah. so one of the things I really I really like about this scene and the many many things that I can say that about is the idea that like um, Deidre was talking to her superior. I forgot the guy's name. Um, uh, Pentagast. Uh, Pentagast, I think. Yeah. Um, and he's talking about like how. Oh yeah. Nope. This was about getting wiping the 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 the, the taste of Aldani out, out of the empire out of the emperor's mouth. Yep. So we're done. And she's like, "Well, we could have we should have kept someone to 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 because the empire is still not willing to to really believe that there was a a, a forming rebellion coming." But Deidre also knows. We know that Deidre knows that this is probably the case. She suspects. And what she's and and so like to have the like one two punch of this the empire the empire is not going to bat an eye at what happened at ferrix not really they're going to know that this was a this was a blunder they're not going to think about this in relation to what happened with krieger as as far as like oh this is rebellion oh this was a riot at the funeral we got the rebellion we're done we did that we got krieger we're done great point yeah it's it's the perspective of the the, what the the narrative they're trying to feed to the emperor is that we quell anton krieger and his people that they got were the people who did Aldani. Yeah, That's yeah. their narrative. And they do know or believe that there is an informant out there 
named Axis, who is their person that they need to find, who helped make Aldani happen, but he is the lone man, the lone person left out there who may, might have a few stragglers, but the force of the rebellion is already quashed. Yeah, and I yeah. and I love that during that scene when when Deidre is Skyping with, with Pentagast about the, the thing, Blevins uh, and Lonnie, I think are both also on Deidre's side. They're like, yeah, and there was no, there's no one to question either. Like, they, they also think this was a bad idea because they know it was smart to bring someone in. But again, yeah, the Emperor just wants to kill and everyone. She's, and she's having to stress even to some of those grunts, uh, Imperials that are there, like, alive. I will make it, I will state it again, and or will be taken alive. I don't want to have to say it more than once. And she has to, unfortunately. And she does, uh, because she has to make it absolutely clear that the most important thing is that they get Andor alive. Mm -hmm. Because Andor could lead them to okay? Axis. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. Uh, because Andor can lead them to Axis. Yeah, exactly. and 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 any one of the Krieger's men could probably lead them to access as well, or the or so they think. But they think. but what I, what's so fascinating about what happened with Ferrix is like to the Empire, this is just a riot. Mm -hmm. This yeah. isn't an act of rebellion, right? Um, Bix, Bix, anyway. be beautiful, sad Bix. I'm glad she got a happy ending. Oh, me I too. I was really worried with the trajectory of the show. Just like they're just gonna leave her there. And she's just gonna she's just gonna suffer until next season. I'm like, no, Cassie, and thank God you're the best. No, it's it's very cool. I do like the reveal that like what what Andor's really there to do because like he did you know he wanted to say goodbye to his mom, but when he learns that Bix is in danger and he knows the Empire is looking for him, he's like, well, I'll just use this as the opportunity to get her. Yeah, like yeah. I can get her out. Like I I love my mom, but that's not what oh that's now not what I'm here to do. I'm here to save the person who's trapped because of me. And and that man, that scene where she's in the prison and she hears the doctor like uh, the song of Ferrix being played and she loves it and she's mm -hmm. humming it then she finds out that marva died because she wasn't there when it happened right she found that she died through the speech and she starts crying and i'm like jesus christ how is this this good this is so and then luckily cassian's there because otherwise i would have been like y'all are so mean before ben falls on his keyboard in sleepiness i just want to <laughs> highlight i just want to highlight that i love hammer dude Kicking the stormtrooper off the tower. Oh yeah. What? You know his name, don't you? What's his name? No, of course I don't know his name. The time, the time grappler. grappler. Oh, why would I know that? Because I tweeted it. He's I don't see everything. Time grappler, the best Doctor Who title I've ever heard in Star Wars. Yo, time grappler is like, like a top ten moment for me and yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. Like he's just screen. banging on that anvil, and I'm just like, and then the sword trooper goes up. I'm like, come on! I was expecting him to hit him with a hammer, but he just like Sparta kicks him off, and this and like the ah, I was like, hey, you go, guy. Uh, I'm yeah. really glad that the guy who uh, saw Cassian and sold him out uh, also gets blinded. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. In the blast, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's definitely a moment when when the speech is happening where he's like thinking introspectively. I'm like, oh, are you gonna are you actually gonna like join a rebellion? I'm like, no, like you kind of deserve that in a little way. <laughs> other people, other people have been talking about on Twitter, but the other thing I like is that um, during Marva's speech, the guy who brought uh, Cyril there yeah. is listening to the speech and he's kind of going. Maybe yeah. the Empire's bad. See, I and he's looking yeah. at Cyril and he's like, see, uh, and then he's just left on the steps like being yes. sad. Like, shit. That's the moment where I think he's buying into it. With yeah. Cyril Karn, I think he can read into it. But once he's sitting on the steps just drinking, he's like, what have I been doing? Yeah. I think I think he's like, you know, he's like, Karn, Karn doesn't believe what Marv is saying at all. He, no. he totally disagrees with it. But the guy next to him is like eyeballing Karn like, this is kind of making This is true? Karn? This is exactly what the Empire did to us, right? And Cyril's like, no, not at all. Yeah. Karn is such a sub-fascist yeah. because this man, this man is so whipped 
for fascism. He's just like, he sees Deidre and he's like, I'm going to be Deidre's savior. Like he, there is a moment, there was a moment in that, in that cupboard when he said, when, after he saves her of like, this could be his moment to be like, Oh, we're going to kiss now. Right. Because now you love me. Like this is, he's such a, he's such a fascinating character to watch because he is, he is much like Cassian. We, we talked about earlier how Cassian has, has been present as, throughout the season, presented with the path of rebellion and took the other way deliberately much like Karn has, but, but Cassian was open to it. Karn has been presented with, Hey, the empire is bad and always said, no, it's not. It's, no, it's, it's, so, it's so funny. Um, there's an interview, or not an interview, sorry, at, at D23, uh, before Andor came out, before it was revealed what the show was, the actors were all on stage, and the actor playing Joe Conn was like, I'm so glad to be in Star Wars. Like, I don't think you guys are going to like me. And then the audience <laughs> was like, oh, we love you. And he's like, really? You guys got to watch the show. I promise. I'm I'm not who you think I am. And it's like, you are disgusting, my guy. Um, no, And then we watched the show. It's like, oh, he was absolutely right. I hate him. Yeah, yeah, he is he is one of the most like fascinating Star Wars characters ever made. And he's just a dude who who loves power. And like like for the wrong reasons. And he's like, nah, man, this is what we're supposed to do. The, the system it, works. I promise it works. Let me show is you. It, is it horrible that I'm shipping him with Deidre? No. Okay. No, baby, that's content. I will content. I will say it is both horrible and and not because like neither of these people deserve a ship because they're both horrible. They're both yeah, horrible fascists. What what? They deserve each other. They're disgusting. Like in a, in the sense of like, I also kind of ship them of like a, like I want Deidre to like wreck him because like I think he's like he's I think he's just like a gross monster and Deidre's just a just a gross fascist fascist. Yeah, the that moment when when they're together at the end when he saves her, it is there's so many emotions happening because one she I mean she could have just been killed with by some random guy she doesn't know this right but then it turns out to be her stalker. And just the emotions of like, what, how, why, uh, what? <laughs> like, like, why thank you? I love, I love the, you, baby. I love the 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 trauma that the seeing the trauma on her face of like she's just shaking. She's in the whole scene, she's just shaking from adrenaline. Um and, and she's just and she's just looking at him like, I guess I should say thank you. Like she's just she can't calm down because of the adrenaline. And, uh incredible and, scene. And, and Cyril, he always has like He's like he thinks he's the lead in like a romantic comedy or a romantic show. One hundred percent. He's always like he's always like like pouty and like like stern and like like grinding his teeth. And I'm like, I'm the hero. I say the lines you think I should say, but when you say them, zero, you sound like an idiot. You think you're like I was a good detective or whatever. Like, bro, you're off. Because he because we talked about it before. He sees in Deidre a kindred spirit. This is the Empire. This is who I love. Uh, this this is tried and true. This person represents everything I love about the Empire, um, and 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 I want to be close to that person because of that. And he he sees, honestly, rightfully, that Deidre would be in danger, and he immediately, without thinking about it, goes. But he, but because we know who Cyril, the kind of person that Cyril is, we we know that he does this not because he's like, oh, Deidre, my love, I want to save you. Oh, Deidre, the person I stalk, I need to save you. I need to be that person for you. Yeah, like it's 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 a hero complex of like, oh, like I'm gonna save her. I'm gonna be the hero, and she's gonna love me for it. Like that that super tox, toxic masculinity of like, I did the thing for you, so now you owe me. Yeah. Uh, and I have a feeling next season, Deidre is somehow going to be trapped by that. Uh, somehow, I think Karn, unfortunately, now has something on her 
or like you have to help me because I saved your life. Or or they'll be the Empire's new power couple. Man, I oh my god, like I <laughs> any 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 scene that that like that happens in the future, I'm happy if they're together or not because it's like just they're so gross. But now they're together and like they I think they're going to be together whether it's romantically or just working together. I think I think Cyril will lean into it and she'll just be like, no, 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 we are partners, but not those kind of partners. And he's gonna be like, yeah, but tomorrow though we'll try again. Like, oh, you're so <laughs> gross. Uh, I'm just like, I'm so excited. Cyril Karn, like. I can't believe I love a character so much who's just like just just a uh, just a, a gross man, a gross. They're man. gonna they're gonna have a, a moment in season two that's gonna be like the inverse of the uh, for them of the end of Rogue One for Cassie. And oh Jim. yeah, that's gonna be them <laughs> getting wiped out by the Empire, but they will kiss and they they will be destroyed in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like they're about to be killed by troopers, and you're like, this is how it's gotta go, babe. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my god, so they're they're from a fire squad, and it's like now kiss, and then they get blown up. God, I that would be poetry. Cue the Anakin and Padme music. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. Anything else we want to talk about? Um, Yeah, I think that there's a part in the speech where Marva says, uh, "There is a darkness reaching like rust, and it's not visiting anymore." And when she says it's not visiting anymore, they like specifically have the shot focusing down on like the 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 battened down shields, like police force style, and going all the way back to to the imperial officers that are watching. Uh, and I think that's just such a brilliant shot. I love. I just really like. Yeah, it. her speech is inc- is incredible. Like, there's so many great speeches, but like, I think this is like either Luthen's sacrifice speech or this is like the one. But when she's like, "We were all sleeping," and like, like we have to wake up. That's like that's so powerful, and that is such a like a modern message too of like being woke, waking up, you know, to, for the fascists of stuff. And I'm just like, her just saying it. It's like, also going to give Luthen ideas. Yeah, for how to inspire people. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mar- like again, like Marva, like she, she to me, like I know. I call her like the mother, the mother of the rebellion. Like she, she's not, but like this is the first like real strike of of human, like people becoming rebels, turning against the empire, all in one swift go. Um, and that's going to start happening so much more over over the next uh, couple of years for the for the rebellion. You brought up such an interesting point just then, and I and I want to I want to kind of like dig into it because you said you keep calling her the the mother of the rebellion, but she's kind of not. But or or what or how you reported it. But the idea is that like there are many fathers and mothers of the rebellion yeah yeah. one of the things that i really like about this era of, of star wars that we talked about i've talked about at nauseum before is that we see pockets all over the empire and for rebels the spark of their rebellion was the destruction of tarkin's star destroyer mm-hmm. for andor it's marva's speech for the bad batch i don't remember um for um for luke Leia, for them, it was the destruction of the Death Star. Uh, Leia, mean, huh? Do you, for just real quick, for Bad Batch, do you mean like the thing that made them turn against the Empire? Yeah, it, it's when they reprogram their buddy. It's when they reprogram. It's when they reprogram. When they, when they find out that they've reprogrammed him, Five, they could Echo? reprogram the rest. No, 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 not five. No, no, no. It's the sniper. Right. It's the sniper one. Um, crosshairs. Uh, cross up. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, you're right. It, that, that's 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 when that was. And so, like, there are the thing that. Thing that I think this era of Star Wars is doing really well that I think Legends didn't do very well is that it's trying to say it's trying it's trying to say that like there the rebellion didn't start with one person the rebellion didn't start with Mon Mothma the rebellion didn't start with Leia it, the rebellion started with a lot of people there are a lot of fathers and mothers of the rebellion there are a lot of places that started what we know to be the Rebel Alliance 
I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, just just because it does tie into Andor. Um, but right before that, though, for the Bad Batch is uh, they're sent on a mission to kill. Think I saw who they think will be rebellious insurgents. Um, so they want them to die. They're just civilians that Saul Saul Guerrero is protecting, and Saul Guerrero. I remember that. They're just people. Are you really here to kill people? Yeah. And they they turn back and say no. I hope season two we get to see how Saul gets the oogly boogly. <laughs> We see him wrangling in one episode and he's lost a leg and he's getting yeah, further. Yeah. Every so funny. <laughs> interestingly, if we see Saw in every arc of that season, we would see him we would see him keep changing into the Saw Guerrero we meet in Rogue One. I could almost maybe not every arc, but I guarantee you we will have check-ins with Saw or like getting crazier, getting more robot-like. <laughs> Love yeah. it. I really I I like the idea that Saw was meant to be like this um uh, Darth Vader parallel. Um, I don't think Rogue One did this quite as well. Um, and I would like to see that. I don't know if Andor is the place that we'd see that parallel explored in, in, in more detail. Um, but just kind of in general, as like a note for Star Wars in general, I'd like to see them actually do something with that. Like, I just... I just want like the Andor cinematic universe. I, think they're probably, I just want like a whole Saw season. I just want I want all of this explored. I think they're probably wanting to step further away from the notion of of what they've used in saying about Darth Vader before that like the more machine he became the less human. Yeah. I think they probably want to step further away from that with Saw because it's become a, a more, oh, like, more like disparaging and, yeah. and ableist. And so I think they kind of want to stay away from that story idea at this point. Yeah, sure. Uh, we haven't talked about the the ending ending of of Cassian on Luthen's ship. Confronting of like you came here to kill me, and Luthen's like, "Yep, you didn't make yes, it easy. Yes, I did. You didn't make it easy." And like, I love that that he's just like, "All right, cool. So you can kill me if you want, or you can bring me in." And then Luthen has to think about it for a second, and he gives a wry well, little smile. Well, because it's it's it, and importantly for Cassian, it's it's that he has come on the full journey to the point where he's like, "I'm ready. I am. I care about the fight to take down the Empire. Mm -hmm. I believe that that is what my mom believed in. I believe in it now too." Uh, because I've seen and experienced things that make me believe in it. Mm -hmm. And if I can't fight them, then I want to be dead. Yeah. Then then all of that, uh, that my journey up to here will have been for nothing. Right. If I can't continue the fight. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it really is just, I'm part of this or I'm dead. That is the only, the only path. Yeah. Cause yeah. like, I mean, he still has family, but like his mom's gone. His dad's gone. Like he's, he has, he's nothing left to give. So like, this is it. Like I'm all, I'm all in or I'm dead. And like, right. that is incredibly powerful. Uh, what a what a great ending! Which is which was the whole thing is like why why did Luthen want him dead because he wasn't he didn't he seem didn't like him, he wasn't part of he didn't want to be part of the fight he was a loose end yeah, yeah right yeah he 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 didn't like them but he didn't believe in the cause he believes in the cause mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this was the journey of him deciding I care enough about this I will give my life to this uh, what a what a good show yeah uh, Davos Golden's wife looks like the Bride of Frankenstein. Because it's 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 yes, that's true. She's got big ass. <laughs> that's so hair. true. Yes, she has the big hair. Yes, um, uh, uh, because for Luthen, like what Cassian has made clear is exactly what he said. Like you have to be willing to give up everything. Cassian standing there saying, "Yeah, I will give you my life. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Like I I want this. Uh, so yeah, he's he's more useful alive than dead at this point. Mm -hmm. I am very excited for the next season. Same. Me too. Mm -hmm. I am very excited to rewatch Rogue One when this is all over. Same. Yeah, Same. I, I, it's almost a bummer that that like, because I can't all I can't watch Rogue One now because the story's not done yet. Because like I know how it ends, but like I need the full now I need the full journey. So I'm like, I, now I get to wait two years to watch oh. Rogue One, and when I do, my memory will be bad enough. Or I'll be like, hell yeah, full circle, everything's great again. 
<laughs> Can't wait. Anything um, else? I'm really curious if we'll see Galen or so. I was thinking originally that probably not, but now I'm thinking in that last arc leading to Rogue One that we might get um, Bodhi. Yeah, uh, I think we'll even our, get our, our Imperial pilot who's going to defect. Yeah, it would probably be in the last arc. Because oh no, you're very right. Recently. No, you're right. I forgot. So, yeah, yeah. so, uh, but our Imperial pilot who defects and has the information from Galen, I was like, oh, we might see that. So that's that might be how we see Galen. I one hundred. Go ahead. I, I, I have a wish list of people I would like to see. And I, I get I get a Tony Gilroy. You don't want to do the you don't want to do the cameo show. I understand. I have a wish list of people I would love to see in the show. And if that doesn't happen, it's great. I, it's still gonna be a great show. But like I, I mentioned Admiral Radis. We mentioned Hera before. I think Hera would be fun to see on the show. But like Mendo? Krennic? Yeah. That'd be Krennic. cool. Krennic. I fully I I one hundred percent believe maybe not the whole the whole season, but definitely the last arc. It's going to be heavy, heavy, heavy Rogue One shit. Yeah. Heavy. Like, it will, that will be the cameo arc, but it's not a cameo arc because that's just part of the story. Right. Yeah. It's not cameos when they're supposed to be there. I would and love to see. So, okay. Tear so, there, it. Stamp. <laughs> so, there's, there's, there's some, so something that's really interesting about Radis that I think is really fun. So, we know how Radis left Moncala with his fleet of Moncalamari ships. We, we saw that in, in Star Wars Darth Vader. It's a little bit earlier than this point. Um, maybe a lot earlier, um, but I would, I would will be willing to bet that there could be, not to speculate what the arcs could be, but like I could, I could see feasibly how one of the arcs could be Cassian and maybe some other rebels. Maybe he's already got K two S O at this point. I do think we're going to jump into an arc and K two S O is going to already be there. We're not going to see the origin of where that story came from. I could see them having an arc where they bring in Admiral Radis into the, into the rebellion. Yep. They need, again, like this is all about, uh, uh, in, in the interview thing that I mentioned, like season two is about building the rebellion. Yes. So that is going to be them doing all the outreach that we didn't see yet. I'm sure part of the story is, you know, once Ma Makla has left the Senate, it's her with Organa getting the Mon Calamari force that they need for the rebellion yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and i can see a story that's all about those three mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. and and maybe luthan as well before luthan probably dies yeah i it only makes sense it only makes sense only because like luthan is a person who would give his life completely for the cause so the fact that we don't see him in episode four or beyond would imply that he has already passed yeah it's, otherwise it's, be there. it's incredibly it's incredibly wild to me that i'm sitting here to you guys right now hoping that we see mon, Cal mon calamari uh, that that dies in Rogue One. I I really I really like Admiral Radis, and I would love to see him in this show. I think he'd be yeah. perfect for the show. Listen, I desperately I want to see all those Bothans, all those Bothans who died getting these plans. I want to see a planet of Bothans. I'm like, where are the Bothans at? They're little in Battlefront, the original Battlefront. They're little alien people who go invisible. And I'm like, yo, those are cool spy people. I want to see that. I want to see that shit. The Bothans got the second Death Star plans, not the first. Oh, there you go. Okay. Been that's when Mon Mothma says many Bothans died trying to get us that because that's in Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, there you I go. thought it was also about the how the Emperor was going to be on the Death Star too because they're like, this is our chance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, but we could still see Bothans. Like, uh, we could still see them. But they, uh, we, there, I just remember the, the discourse being like, oh, these guys don't look like Bothans when Rogue One was coming out and everyone was kind of like, oh, that was Return of the Jedi. Shut up. <laughs> you know who would be like wild Star to see uh just <laughs> on the imperial side 
pre the Rogue One moment. I don't even know what context you put them in. Um, you could just have fun with making them appear. It probably won't happen. Hondo? It doesn't really make sense. No, um, I forget her name, but our Imperial soldier from the Battlefront 2 storyline. Oh, Iden Versio. I have been desperately wanting them to do something without character because I still you could that, bring, you I could still bring, think that campaign is totally fine. But if you flesh that character out more, I would be more accepting of it. What if Just Versio like, what if Versio is like part of the Imperial Force that ultimately like subsumes Deidre? That'd be Jesus Ooh. Christ, that'd be so sick. Yeah, because <laughs> everything about about she has to rise up in the ranks before yes. Return of the Jedi. Yes. Oh, that's too good. Synergy. <laughs> Synergy. What was the um I not want that now? Who is who 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 uh it was Tarkin. I was thinking to myself, like, it's too bad we can't see Tarkin on the show. I mean, I guess we could, we could recast, but you just kind of I played him, but don't do the CGI overlay. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, great. Man, I have... he already he already could with makeup look pretty good, yeah. and he did a great performance. And the thing is, I think people let, have said just let, bring him let, back. Let's say Tarkin is in the show. I firmly believe Tony Gilroy could sway Disney to not do the CGI bullshit. I I think minimum Tarkin shows up as a voice at some point. Mm, sure. Maybe even over just an intercom for one single moment of a scene, and like, it's, yeah, and yeah. it is that guy. Like you don't need to see him visually. You could have just even his the back of his head. overlay exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, talking to someone. Or like hologram, maybe. Or is that too much? Well, because I was saying like a way to avoid doing the CGI stuff or the makeup. Right, again. right, like right. You can just hear his voice or like Ryan said, the back of his head. And you know who it is. You know from the sound of his voice. Because again, that act, the, I forget the name of the actor, but the actor who played Tarkin for Rogue One did a very good job of recapturing Peter Cushing's performance. So you can hear that that is Tarkin even if you're not seeing him. They had a voice like in Rebels. I'm not sure if it's the same guy. Um, but... I remembered. I remember specifically because in Clone Wars, um, Tarkin was played by Tom Kane, and I thought he was terrible. I was like, "How? What are you doing?" Tom Kane's voice is way too deep for Tarkin's Tarkin. Uh, and then Rebels had uh, a better one. Had a, better one. Uh, uh, a guy named Steve Stanton does it in the Bad Batch. I don't know if that's the same guy. He's also Admiral Radis in Rogue One. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think that is. I think that is the the Tarkin voice for. Rebels also. Oh yeah. Uh, and Paul Casey is Admiral Rat. Oh, is the is the is the the body. Body. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's the body. Um. Yeah. All right. Love it. I yeah. I fully expect season two, and it's fun because like it could be quote unquote the cameo season, but it's not because that's just what it's it's where the story is. It's not cameos if it's like part of the story. Like yeah, we're, right. There's it's certain not, people you know you have to see. Yeah. There's certain like you. We're not going to see. Them. We're not going to see Luke. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I would have thought that about <laughs> some oh, parts right. of Kenobi. So, you know, you never know. Now, at this point, well, actually, no. Because, like, again, they can earn it. But, like, yeah, I don't, I, Luke's not so You're not going to see Luke. You might see Leia. Yeah. I'm, I, look, I'm just saying. Oh, we could see Leia. We could see Leia. We could see Leia. Uh, you know that'd be who cool. I'd like to see even more, to be honest? If we're going to see Bale, I wouldn't mind, like, if we don't see Leia, but I would love it if we got a scene between him and his wife. Yeah. About sure. being involved in the rebellion and how high stakes things are getting. Can you imagine Alderan, but not. On the volume, oh, yeah, my yeah. heart. Yeah. I, I, I was just thinking, like, yeah, we could see, we could see Leia, and I, I was just thinking to myself, like, thank goodness we don't see Tatooine in the show. I'm so yeah. sick of Tatooine. Yeah, not is there is there a desert planet? Well, I guess Ferris technically counts, but it has like no color. No, no and... it's it's got it's got fields, it's got mountains. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's not the same. Not a desert in sight. All right. Anything else we want to talk about? I mean, I could, I honestly could talk about this forever, but like. Yeah, I'm just I'm so incredible show. I'm just so pleased. Incredible show. 
so pleased, so grateful. Uh, Andor has, I think, I'm I'm pleased for what Andor means for the future of Star Wars mm -hmm. in quality. I'm pleased to see more of it. But I also think it is a, I think Andor is going to be looked back on as a show, as a shot in the arm for specifically Disney Plus shows, mm -hmm. but all streaming service shows. Yeah. To live up to a higher standard. Um, because clearly, like, even regardless of how many people are watching the show, Disney understands that there's a lot of quality on this show. They got a hit. Because they put it on other networks. And that means something. And I think they understand that this is different. And they want to start hitting this different more. Yeah. yeah I, Specifically, I, I hope Kevin Feige's sitting over there and he's like, damn, oh, you can, like, make a show show. <laughs> so I got my final, this will be my final... Uh, uh, thoughts and, and and part of the interview from Tony Gilroy. The interview is like, Star Wars is generally what you call a space opera. Uh, Andor is so much closer to something else. You can call it dystopian science fiction. You can call it an al allegorical science fiction. And he's just like, I didn't want to do what we did before. How can I make it different? What can we do? So that was my starting point. It, Star Wars is not my go-to Friday night. I'm not beholden to a lot of things. You don't bring me in unless you know I'm going to do something different. I'm a disruptor. They did this on purpose. Um, and the fact that they believed in it that's funny he disrupted after watching i know Last i know, I, know but I, I want to say it because <laughs> yeah. he only you would obviously no it. yeah um it's i'm just so pleased that like that like the the fact that this show got made and again if we don't get something like Andor ever again that's fine but the fact that they got to make this shows that like they have the ability to do it and with such good critical word of mouth it might not be you know the highest watch show but like a show like this does doesn't need that honestly uh, and the further we got into it, I'm like, this isn't for everyone. There is a, there are a certain group of people who like, they need more Star Wars in their Star Wars, and I get that. But like, I come to, I come to entertainment for good stories, not, not lightsabers. You know what I mean? Like, I, if it's a good story and there's no lightsabers, that's great. Some people don't feel that way. And and on a note of relevance, because it is like probably our our very next fake nerds watch experience is going to be Willow. Yeah. And it has me very intrigued with what Lucasfilm is giving us with Willow, because much to your point, that doesn't have to tell the same kind of beat story stuff as Andor, but it does look like the quality of thinking about story and character yeah, yeah. is there, at least based on the trailers. So I'm very intrigued if they're going to have a double hitter on their side of, of Andor and Willow. Yeah, Willow does look high quality as shit, so yeah. I really, really quickly, I found out the guy's name is Guy Henry. Guy Henry. He plays Tarkin in Rogue One and Pious Thickness in Harry Potter. <laughs> that the Hollis part one and Pious two. Pious Thickness? Pious Thickness. Um, he did not voice Tarkin in Rebels, uh, interestingly. So anyway, he, he could do it. So pleased with the show. So happy with the show. I cannot believe it's going to end up on my top 10 of the year, uh, but most likely will. I am just pleasantly surprised. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We, when this show was announced, we thought, ah, really? How are you going to do that? And then we watched it just like what Sparks was saying earlier. Peacemaker. We're like, really? We don't know. Maybe a Peacemaker show could work. It just continues to prove to you, to us that you have someone who cares about the project, someone who knows what they're doing. Anything can be good. Anything can be good. Case in Andor and Peacemaker. Two of the best shows of the, of the year, hands down. And mm -hmm. this is such a good bookend. We started the year off with a fantastic Peacemaker show. We're ending the year with an amazing Star Wars show. The Star Wars show I feel like we need. And even I was talking to Fanny the other day when we were driving for Thanksgiving dinner. She was like, how come Andor is going to be on Hulu and everywhere? I was like, because Disney wants you to watch it. It is literally the best show on Disney as of this moment. And no one cares. Or 
we care, but there are people who do care, of course, but there's not a lot of Casey casuals and casual Star Wars fans who are watching it. You're right, because I had a friend, I had a friend, uh, I was talking to the comic book store and I said to him, are you watching Andor? And like the person behind the counter was like, oh, Andor is great. Andor is wonderful. Oh my God, Andor is incredible. And he's like, no, I have no interest in that. And it's like, well, you do. (laughs) You just don't know that you do. It's a a very split difference. Like there's, there are, people who are totally tuned out of Andor, and there are people who are a little drained out from the previous offerings. But there are yeah. also people who have been checked out and thought that the Star Wars shows have not been doing it. Again, for, and then yeah. Andor came out and they're like, oh, this is art? Yeah, I don't I don't <laughs> disparage anyone because like for basically three years, I mean obviously like Mandalorian is good, but like for three years we've gotten like mediocre Star Wars content. Uh, at least like in, in my in live in, action. In live action, yeah like like uh, Rise of Skywalker, uh, Boba Fett Obi-Wan, right? So like you're you're not hitting very well. So I get people not wanting to trust Andor, especially when it doesn't look like the Star Wars that you know. I get that. Um, it's just a thing of like you got to give things a chance and you got to open your horizons. Because like I never I never thought like Andor would be one of my favorite Star Wars things. And like it's just it's it just goes to show like man, it's like put put your heart in something. It's it's so nice. It's I I this this is why I love doing the show. Like Brandon, you've talked about it. Like I think last time we talked like. It's so nice to be able to talk for almost two hours about something you really love and there's so much to chew on. When generally, like, I remember us doing, like, Boba Fett Weekly and, like, <laughs> just like <laughs> we just kind of kept bitching about it. Yeah, yeah. and I'm just like, I, don't, I never want to do that. I want to love things. And, like, it's nice it's, that, like, you let me, they let me love something. Well, that's, that's why that's why we dipped out on Boba Fett partway through. And yeah. then we decided we're just going to do a season wrap-up. Yeah, 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 that's true. All right, that'll do it. Hell yeah. And it's great. Watch it. Watch it. It's amazing. At this point, if you're watching this and you haven't seen Andor, why are you doing that? Uh, (laughs) Finger seal of approval all around. So, okay. So that was, that was Star Wars Andor season one. We will be back with Star Wars Andor when the next season drops. Uh, Cannot wait. We are all very excited for it. And that, that wraps up uh, Fickner's watch for Star Wars Andor, but not Fickner's watch for the rest of the year. Because as Spark said, we will be attempting to do Willow. We do not know how we will do Willow yet, but it will be our next Victor's Watch. Uh, I mean, like I'll be, I'll be upfront that, like you know, it's coming out, uh, you know, late, late enough that um, we're kind of going to have to gauge that and see because we know Brandon is out for a decent chunk of December. So whether it'll be Ben Ryan and I taking the the wheels for the first part, which is fine, or, or how we want to splice it up, like Andor was very clear with its arcs, which made it easy to fit in with amongst everything else that was going on. Willow, with the holidays, we're going to have to figure out how we want to Let's, do that. Do we know how many episodes? I'm going to look no, it up. I don't know. Hand. It's going to carry over into next year, so we're going to have to... If, if I need to miss, that's fine. Uh, I am excited for Willow, but I do not want to hold up anything. It's eight episodes with a two-episode premiere. So maybe we do the first two and then gauge from there. Yep. Sure, that works. Yeah. So oh, stay God. tuned. So stay tuned for Willow. You just heard it here, folks. You heard our plan here. So stay tuned for Willow. Um, as far as other figures watches goes, Willow will probably be it until the until next year. Um, at which time we'll we'll continue to do other things. Um, maybe Sandman. Mando comes out in like there's February two, or something. There's two Netflix shows, and because they drop all at once, it's very hard for us to get to. But like, there's two seasons of Netflix shows. That I certainly want to check out, and if I find that we can talk about them, I would love to. Yeah. Sandman's one of them. The other one is Wednesday, which just mm. came out. Um, you guys, I'm, you guys can I'm do that. Probably gonna stop. Start Wednesday. I hear great things. Yeah, I, I, I want us to as well. Okay. Then my, my goal, I'll, my I'll goal was, it. my goal was for us to end Midnight Club and start Wednesday this week. 
if you guys want to do Wednesday, don't wait for me. Like I'm, just, uh, I would, I would like you guys to do that. Yeah, that'll, that you know, like we'll pace that out how we can. Yeah. Um. So okay. So there you go. There, there you go. We, there, there's, there's, there's obviously more fake nerds watches on the horizon that we want to do, and we will attempt to do them as, as uh, to the best of our abilities. Um. But if you guys like this chat, and if you haven't seen the other chats of Star Wars Andor. Hey, check out the link in the description and check like this video, subscribe to this channel, check out the link in the description, click on anything here to get you to the other and or episodes or any of our Star Wars episodes and or the other things that we've done. Or you can check out some of our other uh, other Star Wars shows like Mandalorian, uh, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan. If you want. If you want. You can check out some <laughs> more Marvel stuff. We've covered a lot of the Disney Plus stuff, so you can check them out there. Um we talked about Peacemaker. We did a we didn't do a Peacemaker Fakers yes, Watch, we did. did we? Yes, yeah, we, did. we did. A final yeah. we did one. We did one. I think we did a season thing. Okay, well we did a uh, you're probably you're probably right. I we forgot. Because it came out right in the bridge of the holidays last year as well. I definitely remember we talking about it. No, we did we yeah. did it. It was like, just like a one season special, I think. Okay. Well that's there. Check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you can also check out Basement Arcade, uh, which is our video game let's play, which is our video game let's play series. Or you can check out Basement Arcade Pause Menu, which is our video game discussion series. A new episode is up now. Um, ben, you talked to someone, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I, <laughs> I, I totally did. And you can check out, of course, um, uh, Animation Station and Figner Book Club. All shows you can find on this channel. Fickner Podcast. That's our mothership show, guys. Our mothership show. We all come. We all come from the Fickner Podcast, and everything trickles down from there. You can check out that show live every Sunday. Sparks, this is not going up tomorrow, correct? Probably. Okay. Well, if YouTube lets me, the latest episode of Fickner's Watch is probably up now. By the time you're by by the time you're watching this, and it was not Slumberland. We did that two weeks ago. By the time you're watching this, um, it was. Oh, what are we watching tomorrow? I just watched it. Strange Worlds. Strange we're World. talking about Disney's Strange Worlds. We're not going to be talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Uh, that episode, we will be talking about that on a different special, so stay tuned for that as well. That might be up by the, t by the time you're watching this, or it might or it might not be, but you know, stay tuned. Uh, click, the, click the bell icon, and you'll, you'll, you'll get not notified by all the things that we do. Taco Bell. As far as Fake Nerd Podcast goes, there's not many episodes left of the season of, of the year. Uh, the year is coming quickly to an end. Uh, too quickly, if you ask me. And uh, and and there's going to be um, a few more episodes left, and then we will be off on our on our holiday break until next year. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned. I will say, you know, uh, we will be ending Fake Nerd Podcasts and taking our break, but expect some other content. Pause menu quarterly. Um, I thought you said Karn 10 for a second. <laughs> uh, a game of the year discussion. Um, all kinds of other things that we're going to kind of pad the time in there uh, because we'll we'll be releasing them in that holiday week. Video area. games. Um, yeah, there's games. movies, perhaps a Glass Onion review or a... A couple of uh, animation stations, who could say? A couple of animation stations. Oh, right. Got to do that. Forgot about that. All right, guys. So that'll do it. Uh, like this video, subscribe to this channel. If you want to support us, you can check out our Patreon. You can check out our T Public, which are linked below. You can check out our website, FakeNerdPodcast at Gmail. Nope, FakeNerdPodcast.com. If you want to check out all the links to all the shows, all the links to all the things that we do, uh, that that is there. That is linked below. You'll find that. You can also find me on B at, at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for Screen Rant, not for long. KaijuRamaMedia.com and AtomicGeekdom.com. Or did I put up anything this week? Probably. Who cares? Ben? 
Uh, you can find me on the internet at Ben Madden 27 Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, and GoNintendo.com. Sparks? You can find me waking up early to fight these bastards at Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Ryan? You can find me just eagerly anticipating the next season of Cassie and Ander at DJ Tony Snark 616. Some of the best performances I've seen from Stellan Skarsgård in the show. So good. You also watched Chernobyl, my God. My God. All right. That'll do it, guys. Stay till the next time you see us. Stay fake nerds. Rick's Road. <laughs> Name's Bix. Connections? No. <laughs> <laughs>